This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 450, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 450. My name is Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hey. And the internet's Paul Montgomery. I know that's right. Yeah, yeah, you do. We are iFanboy. We like comics. Every week we read a whole bunch of them, and one of us has the job of picking the one they like best to call that the Pick of the Week. We talk about it here in the podcast, usually along with other books, and various other topics and other goofy nonsense. This is how we normally do it. But this week, it's the 450th episode. It's an all-listener email show. After we talk about the pick of the week, we're going to go right into emails for as long as we can stand it. Before we get going, we're going to talk about what happens in the one book. (laughs) Chances are other books will come up, too. We might talk about what happens in them, too. These are called spoilers. You may have heard of them if you've ever been on the Internet, and as you're listening to this, you have. So if you're worried about that, be careful. Come back another time. But if you do, it won't be live. So... If that drunken racist tirade goes, then you'll miss it, because we're definitely going to try to remember to edit that out. I don't know. Uh, Paul, you're the pick. Right. Um, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you people watching the video over there. Um, This is the magazine version of The Fade Out by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips with colors by Betty Brightweiser. And you can get this in a regular version, and you can also get it in the magazine version. And this is the magazine version. Connor's shown the regular version. Now, the only concession with this, now, the magazine version is pretty cool, and I'd recommend that if you're excited about this book to pick up this version because it's special. Um, the only concession that they had to make is that they didn't do two different kinds of layouts for the two different sizes. That would be a lot to ask the artist for. It would be a lot to ask. Two so, layouts. So there's big margins. So it's not exactly... Not great. That's good for scribbling. Over magazine stuff. But yeah, you can you can do annotations. Scribbling. Um, They're also not exactly centered. There's a lot more space in the bottom than the top. That's true. Um, but it still looks nice. It still looks uh, looks really good. Um, and this is Brubaker and Sean Phillips uh, doing their thing. Uh, and that's the thing here. There were a lot of great books this week, and you could argue that this is you know, not breaking new ground for Brubaker and Phillips and what they usually do. This could be an arc of criminal, at least so far. Um, there's no supernatural element like there was in Fatal. Nothing different like that. But I just happen to like this post-war uh, aesthetic that they've gone with. This this time period is very interesting to me, and I think that goes for all of us. Uh, and it starts with a very cool section. Well, it starts with a cool dr- uh, dramatis personae. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I didn't take Latin. Yeah, I, I didn't do well in Latin. Dramatis I don't believe you say the language out loud. Yeah. The only well, thing I know about the pronunciation is that one scene in Life of Brian, so I, I don't... We'll go with it. We'll There's no one it. alive, Paul, who actually knows. But you're introduced to several characters here, including one character with the best name ever, Earl Listen, Rath. Listen, I can only do French. Sorry. Earl Rath. Let's say it again. Movie star, womanizer. But your main character is a guy who looks like a very angry Jeff Parker to me. <laughs> And I don't know if that's intentional, 
but that does look like comic creator Jeff Parker. Um, and he is well, Charlie. Well, a lot Parker. of these don't look like pe- real people, so. Listed as screenwriter and part-time reprobate, and we meet Charlie uh, as he wakes up in a bathtub, and that is an auspicious way to begin any crime story. And it's such a classic setup. A guy wakes up in a Los Angeles bathroom in a bathtub, drunk, and he's trying to piece together what happened uh, the previous night, and he stumbles on a body. And it's somebody that he knows, and by the end of this issue, spoilers, her underwear ends up in his, uh, in his pocket. He reaches into his pocket, thinking it was a rag that he used. Now, Connor, this store, this is something. And, this has happened to you. I have right? a real, I have a true story. Um, oh. <laughs> I didn't know that. That was. I. God, I love this guy. I was uh, in line ordering food. It was like six months ago, and I swear to God, this happened. I was uh, ordering the food from the young lady behind the counter, and I, I noticed a, some slight bulge in my arm, and I, I reached in to, to see what it was and scratched my arm and realized it was a pair of underwear. And uh, pulled it right out, right in front of her. Wait, the underwear? Yeah, something stuffed oh. immediately into my pocket. And what, what kind of underwear? Ladies' underwear. Ladies' underwear. Okay. <laughs> that that was as classily said as it could be done. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was. There was no murder involved. It was just a laundry laundry issue. Yeah. But uh, similar face look on my face as as this guy's face at the end when he looks at it, but only for a split second. He's facing yeah, and... more consequences. Yeah. Speaking of which, speaking of the faces and the and the expressions, I think um, this it plays really well to that era. It's there's a lot of um, it's 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 a bit melodramatic, and you're also playing to a lot of the stereotypes of the time and a lot of the prejudices. And uh, Brubaker talks about this in in the forward or the afterward that they're not pulling any punches here. This they're depicting the times as they were and as you'd see in these noir films. And you could you know you could argue. You know that you could be a little bit more revisionist in it, but this is—I guess—they're trying to be as authentic as possible. Um, Listen, these people were racist. They were. It's very true, and I think, uh, and I think, it's better to depict that honestly, um, and not gloss over At that. At the kind same of thing. time, like I don't feel like that's the thing that people don't do. People love to be able to write racism by in, through context. Like mm-hmm. it's like like it's called Quentin Tarantinoing. It's not unusual. Anyway, uh, have you noticed that the dude's glasses seem to get bigger depending on this particular scene and the needs of those glasses being big? Like, like they seem to change size exactly. a little bit. Um, I'm no problem with that, but it's it's funny that it's sort of all over the map. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for me, it's really difficult to find another thing to say about Sean Phillips. Um, I think he is. I think I think he is and has been for me one of the. He's one of the best comic book artists out there. He's just he's excellent. Like like if you you think about it, like the other thing that he's really well known for is Marvel Zombies. <laughs> and and like it's true. And and like but this is obviously the kind of thing he's been doing it with at Brubaker for a while. They have a rapport and obviously he's he's really he's really great at, at people. Like I d I don't know how he feels about superheroes. He's obviously done it. Um but like these sort of these sort of stories he just excels at. And and uh I, I thought this was really I don't know if it's. I haven't seen him in a little while because I didn't read. Um, Fatal. Fatal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just. It's super strong. It's really nice. He's actually a little cleaner than I'm used to from him because a lot of times he's he's sort of sketchy. A lot of a lot of ink on the page is still here, but it's just like the lines seem to be a little thinner and a little smoother, I guess. Um, and this bit that I'm looking at now is is uh, he's walking. Th- I didn't even notice it when I read it because I think I was so into the dialogue. But he's walking through the films. Yes, I'm looking at it right now. Back. So he's in color, and in the background, there's all these 
really wonderful images like a swashbuckling sort of Errol Flynn movie. There's a gangster movie. And then there's a Monument Valley Western, uh, you know, that are all in sort of a different art style. Uh, it's beautiful stuff. Yeah. And I think in terms of the narrative, in terms of the storytelling in general, I like that it, it goes for that noir kind of thing where we're piecing together what happened last night. And so we're going through a lot of flashbacks. Um, we move seamlessly through them. Uh, it's sort of an example. I'd, uh, I don't know. Of course, I'm always going to think of the West Wing. So the opening of season two where a character will like bump into another character and that will remind it's it's a stylistic thing, but it cuts. It's a smash cut to another time when they jostled up against a person. Um, and so we're going through all the different uh, characters that he's met. And basically, these are some of the suspects that possibly could have murdered this woman. Uh, if I feel like it would be too easy if he murdered her. Um, but I don't know. It could go. It could go either way. You know, we stream through um, a bunch of flashbacks and all of the different occasions where our main character Charlie was meeting. Seriously, what are you? We're trying to conduct business here. What is, are you is, doing? Is, is Daniel Craig too handsome for you to concentrate? It's unnerving. No, it isn't. It, the, uh, the amount of handsome is unnerving. That's. I think that's what it is. Go ahead. It's I'll try to. Eyes, piercing it. eyes. I'm sorry. Just behave yourself. Is what I'm saying. Um, no, so I, I, I like that, that frame there. Uh, interesting. Josh, we don't like dream sequences. How did you feel about the not being able to see people's faces? Which actually reminded me of an episode of Batman the Animated Series where Bruce was trying to decide if he was dreaming or not. And so he pulled out books from his library in stately Wayne Manor and realized that it was all gobbledygook on the pages. And that's how he knew he was dreaming. I, you know, I could have gotten by without it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I didn't. I didn't need it. I get that he falls asleep. Basically, it's like a, it's like a connector. Like it's not really necessary. It sort of hints at meaning something, but it it lets you watch him fall asleep and then get woken back up again, so that you've passed time like that. Well, I don't think it was really a traditional kind of dream sequence. It's more, it seemed to me, a, a way to represent memory mm-hmm. and how it's fuzzy and how he can't exactly remember these mm-hmm. faces he's trying. It wasn't like, you know, Tony seeing his mother in the hospital bed or something. It was more like. Right. I have this vague memory, it's fuzzy, I'm trying to remember these faces, and this was a sort of a way to portray that. That's what I thought, anyway. Why are you cooking with mesquite? It makes the sauce <laughs> peculiar. I haven't been able to do Olivia Soprano in a while, so thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, I think it's a tricky thing to convey in, you know, in a, in a comic. Uh, you have a, a few different options in film. Uh, in terms of what effect you could use to, you know, fade out a person's face, or just like just have them angled to the point where well, you can't see there their it face. is though you just called it the fade out. so maybe it's 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 uh reinforcing the theme i suppose mm-hmm. uh and it's so that as thematic, a, thematically as a subject matter this is right up my alley mm-hmm. you know yes. golden age of hollywood murder mystery you know real life people real life situations i mean hollywood is a much rougher place back then but there was always orgies is what they're trying to tell you oh they were way worse then i bet yeah yeah. I felt like he didn't need to apologize in the little essay at the back for the language in the book. I don't either. That seemed to me very much the current um, climate in the comics industry rearing its head and having to just apologize for everything that might offend anybody. I think you might be correct. It's uh, sort of like when they have the DVDs of like Tom and Jerry cartoons and at the front they have to have like a title card saying, listen... Times were very different. This, this is, is not cool. very racist. This is extremely racist and putting it into context. And 
don't know. It was good. I mean, I, again, we talked about it in the very beginning. I don't, I don't know why it's not just criminal other than, I guess, criminal. Well, they own criminal. I guess he just wanted to start fresh with a different, different title, but... Yeah, I mean, I could see how it's not. It's not exactly the same. It's pretty much criminal, but I, I don't okay. care. That doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't care either. It doesn't really, it doesn't really Did matter. you guys read the essays in the back? They probably shouldn't I have played a that. role. They probably shouldn't have played a role into my making it the pick, but I really enjoyed the true crime, so uh, you get this it great... It felt a little thin. Really? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was the peg and whistle story, or just overall? I mean, you got the peg and whistle and... story. Just felt very much like a Wikipedia entry. Like there was nothing, mm-hmm. uh, nothing to be learned in that article, in that essay. Like this thing happened. She jumped. I thought it was well written. I think. I mean, I would have liked it to have been longer, but other is than that, that stuff like a thing that you really look forward to? Because I never read that stuff. No, I got other stuff to do or whatever. Like yeah. I don't, I don't feel like I need to know that thing, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like true crime, so I liked reading that. Yeah. Yeah. So good pick. I I don't have a problem with it. You you passed okay. the test. Thank you. <laughs> I have no issues with it. Yeah. It's, it just worked out weird. I got to do what? <laughs> don't worry about Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig is it's just for the people at home. This is in my face. I just um I got to do the pick for 450. I also got to do the pick for 400. So. Yeah, I did notice that when I was looking up the old show, you had the pick on the last live show. Yeah. So it was uh, it was a weird. Sort of milestone, which is a weird bit of uh, math because we keep constantly changing who has to pick. Yeah. Well, good job. You had a light week, so that was good. Um, and so there you go. There's the pick, the fade out number one from Image Comics. Ed Can Brubaker. we call out some other favorites? Uh, really just mention the names. Did you, I just wanted. Did you guys like Multiversity? Yes. Yes. A lot. I liked it. I, I think it was a, a case where I was just more in the mood for this, so that's why this was the pick. No, it's totally fine. I, I can just see myself like I'm, I don't know what that was yet, but I'll like it later. I know enough to know that I'll be fine when I read the whole thing. Right. But like I saw the, I saw like the article explaining everything, and I was like, I don't have time for that. I don't want to read that. I'll just you wait. You should, though, if you, can't have t- if you have a five. Yeah. Minute, if the story can't explain it to me, then... Well, it's it's a lot of references you might not get. Um, I know, and I just want to say it, it pains me that uh, don't we don't get to talk about Ms. Marvel this week or uh, the new uh, Little Nemo book from uh, Gabriel Rodriguez. I thought you were going to say stray, uh, stray bullets. That was yeah. also good. Yeah, I was like, there's going to be. I I vowed that I would talk about what, stray bullets every week, what, but what and was, I thought just, about it. Real quick though, what was the most horrible thing that happened in stray bullets this week? You wouldn't even believe me if I told you. <laughs> oh. Paul, last time there was a dude with no arms and legs, and then there was like a oh, it wasn't nearly as an alien. So it wasn't nearly yeah. Yeah, that would have been a great 450 where we could only talk about one thing. And it was stray bullets. I would have quit. Previous issue of stray bullets. Walked out behind Ron (laughs) with the guy with the no limbs and trying to drown himself on the beach. (laughs) Um, Comics. I was like, I should do that to them. I think I should do that, and then it was I decided not to. I figured, no, this sounds like, because that's the other thing with like a with a four fifty or a four hundred. I try to think, well, what's a good like group pick? What's something that it's not just me? It's either of or any of the three of us could have picked. Hey, one time it was it was invincible, and I was reading it, and I literally walked off the headset. <laughs> I remember that. You you yeah. I put the, I put the, I took the earbuds out, and I walked out until it was done. So you never mm-hmm. know. All right, let's. Uh, so, thank you, Paul. That was the pick of the week, fade out number one. And now let's uh, introduce the email segment. So, normally, if, if you're somehow a first time listener this week, and I apologize, 
we'd be talking about the other books of the week that we just talked about very briefly, but we'd be giving them some more insight and some more considered thought. Uh, but since this is the big 450 show, we're doing an all-email show. It's going to go long, and we're going to uh, read listener email, which we solicited over the last month. And you all sent in many fine emails. I've got a whole thick stack here, as I'm showing the camera, of emails to read. And um, uh, one thing we did was we took out all the sort of uh, platitudes, and everyone, most people said something nice in the beginning of their email. I thanked us for all the episodes or... Or that and I took them out just for just for time's sake, but we thank everyone for that for those. We don't bore you with people well, we, saying lovely how well we're loved. Um, <laughs> although this first email does include that, I, and Marco from Canada, who's the first email, his his email is going to encapsulate everyone's thank yous all at once, uh, and I, I'll read it and you'll see why. So uh, Marco from Canada was the first email, and he says, "Another milestone! Congratulations! I, I joined your audience around episode 240." I've lived in three cities since then, and in each place, our weekly get-together has taken on a different form. First, you were enjoyed in late night afternoons, late afternoons in the garden along with some gin and tonics and pretzels. And the second, a rainy, miserable place, you were accompanying long, aimless walks to various comic shops. And finally now, stuck in a small town, I listen to you while cooking meals. Your weekly shows are as familiar as sound in my kitchen as garlic being chopped, prawns being pan-fried, or something Putinesca. that sounds delicious uh, boiling on the stove. Putinesco <laughs> is like, uh, they throw everything in sauce. In each place, your epic archive of shows has also lightened the burden of all the packing, unpacking, cleaning up, and clearing out I've done. I'm sure everyone had their personal fanboy listening stories, and I would love to hear them on the show someday. And now I raise my glass and salute you three very decent gentlemen on your contribution to the comic arts. You're accounted, and, I'm, and I include in this toast Ron, Timmy, Ryan, Chris, Ally, Mike, Jeff, Jim, Gordon, and all the other guests over the years who, that have brightened our days. Thank you, one and all. I wish you great success in all aspects of your life. Cheers. And finally, my question to you three, how do you like to enjoy listening to your favorite podcasts? Well, that was very nice. Thank you. So I forgot most of those to... names, so that was really nice. Yeah. Who them. is <laughs> Mike? What's funny is that when I look at them now, I see Jeff Gordon, and I thought, God, he was on the he did the show too. The <laughs> Jeff Gordon. Hey, it was Jeff Gordon. Yeah, that's when you were out one year, one day. We got Jeff Gordon to fill in. Wow. <laughs> so uh, I actually I do listen to a lot of podcasts. It's almost it's almost a problem in that. Uh, I don't have a lot of free time at all, and and whenever I do, like I tend to instead of letting my mind wander, which would be useful for like writing or something like that, I just start listening to podcasts because I can't not, and I don't want to. I don't like to let them pile up. Um, How many have you subscribed to? Uh, let's see. I'm gonna look on my phone as I do that. Oh, how about like, you? Like, like for the last week though, um, they they just had a new hardcore history come out. And they're like three or four hours long, an episode, and he's in the middle of a whole series on World War One, and he's on the fourth episode. So now we're at twelve, like like sixteen hours basically of this World War One story, and it feels like they're still just scratching the surface. And it's great. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six. I have like like eight or ten. I don't like I don't listen to every episode of WTF or every episode of Fresh Air. Um, Tobolowsky files don't come out that often. Uh, no, he's doing like a quarterly or something. It seems yeah. Like. Like, uh, hardcore history didn't come out that often, but I've always got stuff. Every once in a while, I get down to, like, two or so. Star Wars Minute is now on, on hiatus. Um, but anyway, like, what I was going to say, my favorite thing uh, is that occasionally I take, like, uh, trips over to Vermont to ride my bike, so two or three hours. My, and, like, people will be like, um, can I go with you? And I'll be like, no, because <laughs> I like to drive by myself for, like, several hours and just listen to a podcast and listen to or an audio book or something like the whole time. It's my absolute favorite thing. Other than that, like I look forward, I take my dog for a walk and I listen as I go. Um, if I get really lucky and nobody's bugging me, I can listen as I'm washing dishes. Like I'm constantly 
putting stuff on to learn things. And I, I don't tend to listen to a lot of pop culture stuff, um, but I like to listen to like stories and, and history and things like that on podcasts. Paul? Uh, let's see. Um, I haven't been listening to a lot of podcasts lately because I've been uh, on sort of an audiobook kick and audio plays. Uh, I listen to a lot of the big Finnish stuff, and they have like the license to like Doctor Who and Dark Shadows and things like that. So I've been listening to a lot of those lately, um, and I listen to those when I go out, uh, take the walks, take the dogs for a walk. Take the walks. Uh, <laughs> it's a Philly it's thing. Taking the dogs for a walk, right? I take them for a walk, oh, and uh, I take them out, and uh, and also I, I I try to go out for for just some walks at night, uh, loop around the library and and back, and then uh, what else? Um, when I when I'm when I'm uh, manning the desk down the garage, I'll listen to some stuff. What do I listen to? What am I what am I checking out these days? Um, I listen to the Book Riot podcast. I listen to the episodes of Book Rageous that I'm not on. Um, I, uh, lately, I've really been, yeah, I've been listening to podcasts that I would normally be on, but I was off that week. Those are the things I've been listening to lately. <laughs> because I'm doing like I five love, of them now. I love listening to this show when I'm not on it. Like it's, yeah, I can it's enjoy really it. Really fun. Um, and it's it's uh, you know it's funny is and this is totally like a lame thing, but WTF has been amazingly good lately. Like it's, I don't know if either of you guys ever listened to that, but like he's had all of these. I listened to Twenty on the Guest. Yeah, no, I don't listen to all of them, but like a lot of the classic sort, sort of like I was, who was just on. Uh, I'm gonna get the list now, but talk, Connor, what are you listening to? No, I'll come back. Uh, to I really only have two. Uh, this American really? Life subscription and a well, Tobolowski Files. That's it. Really? Yeah, I only, I only really listen at work when I when I have uh, to do something mindless. Oh, I know what it, I know what it was. I was saying, uh, Marin had Bob Newhart on. Oh, really? A couple of weeks ago, and it, it was amazing. Uh, like, this is a guy who's been a super, super successful stand-up comedian since the '50s, and just, I mean, it was, it was, it was wonderful. And he's 80 something, and he's still like, literally as funny, uh, you know, in the same dry wit. It's been a bunch of that, like the Mel Brooks episode he did, and Carl Reiner, and that stuff just kills me. I love that. Uh, it's been really good. All right. Well, thank you, Marco. Uh, Josh, I take the next one. I will take the next one. Denver Dave from Denver. That's appropriate. Uh, who is your favorite artist for panel-to-panel storytelling? It's one of those things that fascinates me. And if you don't mind me answering my own question using a sports analogy, to me, it's like a good offensive line. And when it's done right, you never really think about it. You didn't answer your question. That is the first of two offensive line metaphors in this stack of questions. Really? Ooh. It's not typically a sports audience. And I didn't even realize that until you just read it. Yeah. Um, somebody else go, because there's people I'm thinking of. Now. I think the best one is, is still Darwin Cook. Christ, that's a good answer. I mean, I just I just think about the silent segments of, of his uh, his Parker books. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of them in those books, and I think, I think he's probably the best. I think you're very close to right. Uh, I think I could, I could... No, I just think there's a ton of options right now. I think that... There are... We are in a time when comic book artists are a hundred percent into the craft. Like not, a, but like there's a lot of really good craft going on right now. If you were to ask me, I would tell you that Sean Phillips is one of the best in the business, easily. Uh, I, I I would have said that forever. I think um, a guy like uh, uh, Stuart Eminen is 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 probably you know one of the best. Uh, I'm trying to think of of others. Paul, you must know a couple. Yeah, well, you mentioned you mentioned Sean Phillips, and when we're talking Som- about panel to panel, what? Somni. Somni, yeah, that's a good choice. Um, that that would be up there for me. Um, well, you mentioned Sean Phillips. I, I think about that 
uh, that one issue of Criminal with the blackouts. Mm-hmm. Um, every every few panels, I always think about that in terms of what interesting things you can do with panels. Um, and it's not like he's going outside of you know the panel, outside of the grid, anything like that. It's just pacing and rhythm. And where do you place those blackout panels? Because it's not symmetrical. Um, it has to do with how much time passes. So that's that's a good example. Uh, I've been reading um, Urasawa. I've been reading uh, Pluto. They just came, or not Pluto? Excuse me. A monster came out in a new edition, and uh, that's really great storytelling. Um, and not you know too kinetic. It's it's pretty deliberate well, in its pacing. We always talk about. Um... The best two-page story is uh, Pancakes by Mike Mignola, yeah. which is interesting because I don't tend to think of him as a great sort of panel-to-panel storyteller. He's, he's moody, but like that was the, that was like the best example. But I will use that to jump to Guy Davis, um, who I miss terribly. Uh, now they've been jumping around a little bit on sort of BPRD artists, but you know when he was the guy, every single issue, um, just wonderful uh, storytelling, mood, tone, you know told you exactly what was going on. I don't think you can beat Darwin, but um, there's, there's a ton of guys, and it's one of my it's my favorite thing to notice when I'm reading a comic these days. This is just to look how how good that that sort of storytelling is. You know, Carl that, Barks, that fundamental. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Good answer. Yes. Paul, do the next one. Okay. Number three. Yeah, Stuart from Sydney, Australia. Uh, with all the love Afterlife with Archie and now Life with Archie have been getting from you guys, can you recommend a good place to start for someone totally new to Archie? I know such a person probably doesn't exist in the U.S. comic fraternity, but Archie has almost zero profile uh, where I am from in the U.K. I now live in Sydney, Australia, and I'm tempted to say it's the same here, but as a father of a three-year-old, I really don't get out there enough to say with any... Uh, accuracy either way. So where should I start? There's no Archie. Are there, are there classic runs as such or creators I should look for? Can I start with Afterlife with or Afterlife or will I be completely lost? Any guidance would be appreciated. And he's got two questions, so we'll start with that one. Yeah. Um, that's a tricky thing to answer because Really? I think it will I think it helps to know. No, uh, the, I mean the answer is there's only been two series that are an ongoing story. The rest are there's nowhere to start. They're all just vignettes or, or gags or short comedic short stories. I, I, I wouldn't... If you had no context for Archie whatsoever, I wouldn't start with Afterlife with Archie. That's what I was going to say. Right, but what I'm saying is you can pick from... up Archie number 241 and it's, it's the same as Archie number 567. They're all just short stories. Oh, yeah. I, no there isn't, I don't think there's an... I, my only answer is that I wouldn't start there. I would start with something else. What that is... Totally random. Pick up any, you know, Jughead Digest. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're. You're absolutely right. I just. I just want to let him know, um, him being Stuart, that Stuart. Uh, every other besides Life with Archie and Afterlife with Archie, everything else, there's no continuity to follow. Right. There's loose. I mean, you know, characters. Characters obviously come in and right. then they don't. You know, they they live it's, in the world, but it's um it's that sort of sitcom physics where you learn a lesson, and you know you let you you earn you learn a lesson by the end of the day, but then between episodes, between installments, between chapters, between issues, you completely forget that lesson, and you have to relearn it the next time. Clearly, yeah, Archie hasn't learned about decision. 
Jughead has not learned about cholesterol yet. Right. There used to be these shows called sitcoms, and there would be a live studio audience and three cameras, right? And the most popular one is still that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, this is true. Uh, So uh, Paul's right. Read a few of those so you can get a sense of the characters and then jump into Afterlife with Archie. Yeah. But I was saying it's it's difficult to because Archie has always been around, and I probably take for granted my understanding of that and... You know, that whole milieu. There's a cultural osmosis that happens. It's, a, it's an osmosis, yeah, that's exactly it. All right, all right. Excellent. Second question. Uh, he says, I'm a Brit living in Australia uh, who has only visited the United States a handful of times, but for some reason I struggle to get interested in non-U.S. superheroes. I'm irked by the silliness of non-U.S. characters while I can, while I can excuse it in Americans. What's with that? What's up with that? You can identify with? Absolutely. <laughs> I, in the fact that, like, I am totally not interested in superheroes anymore, other than the ones that I'm already reading, and and for the most part, looking at the 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 market, no one else is either. Well, he doesn't mean new superheroes. He just means non. He means like just European superheroes or non. Are they European superheroes? Sure. Like, what like counts as that? Created, like not, in, right? Created or or yeah, like there superheroes from British comics that we don't get here. Right. Are there though? Miracle like, Man started they... off as a British superhero. Okay, but I bet that doesn't fall under this. No, but the thing is, I mean, there there must be, mm-hmm. you know, there are there are British comics, there are European comics we don't get here. They must. But they don't necessarily just do superheroes, and I think that whatever there is, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if they're making them everywhere. That's sort of maybe that's like our thing. No one else does it. Like no one else does barbecue. Well, he says he says he says he's not interested in them, so they must exist. Hmm. He he would know. I wonder if he just means Marvel and DC though. I don't think it does. They I mean, even if you just think of like um, 2000 AD, I mean, I wouldn't consider those characters superheroes. You know, like Judge Dredd. That's not right. Something else going on there. And that's so like, like, is the Authority a non-U.S. superhero? No. Oh. U.S. Comic Company. All right. There must be. We need more information because I we, think we don't know. We are. But uh, so sorry. Like I'm trying to think of traditional cape and tight kind of characters that are in. If you if you take the question like I read it, is that he's not interested in sort of other superheroes that come along, especially like I, I guess I, I I just read it as like if it's not sort of the mainstream American Marvel super Marvel or DC superheroes. It says non U.S. superheroes. <laughs> so if Image has a superhero book, that's still a U.S. superhero because Image is a U.S. company. I know, but we're at an impasse with that. So I was let's go to the next one then. Pedantic motherfucker. <laughs> Paul from Australia, if DC was doing as well as Marvel the movies, which DC characters or teams would have had movies out or announced by now? Me- uh, metal Men. <laughs> if you have a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I think the DC equivalent would be the Metal Men. You think? Maybe. Like, equivalent of Guardians of the Galaxy? No. I'm I'm DC to think. I was about to say The Outsiders or... Uh... No, well, the Outsiders, you have that link to Batman, and this has no link to really anything. I feel it's like, uh, like, like the rest of the Marvel Studios movies, so. Legion of Superheroes would probably be. Yeah, there you closer. go. Oh, no, okay. All right. Yeah. I, just see, I just see uh, Adam Strange and, and, and Blue Beetle and, and Booster Gold cruising around together. That's what happens, something like that. Let's try Scroll uh, Dave. Number five. Uh, says, so it's mid-year. Where's the time going? It's past that, dude. But since it's the middle of the year, I wondered if I could guess what the best series or books that might make it to the year-end show. Do you have any top picks that might make it 
or did you have any picks from last year that haven't fallen from your interest? Uh, First off, I have no idea what I chose last year. I don't, I don't know. And, I and don't I remember don't... at all. It's <laughs> one of those questions. That, that is like, what happened uh, on this yeah. show. Um, so what are so, like, five? Ugh. Oh, by the way, in the chat room, somebody says Doom Patrol. I think that's much closer to Guardians of the Very good answer. Yeah. Okay. Very good answer. Um, known or something like that. So what? So at the halfway point, or the just over the halfway point? Uh, I don't think about what I've been reading. Well, Hawkeye and Thor continue to be good. They're both wrapping up with their final issues. Um, Batman, Ms. Marvel, Superior Foes of Spider-Man. I think this Marvel's just, the new entry into the top five list, probably. Yeah, for me, yeah. Um, a hundred image books. Tens- yeah, there's there's a hundred new image books this year, so yeah, I mean we're gonna have to really take a hard look at. Uh, I think uh, Southern Bastards in terms of image. Uh, like if I'm trying to think of the ones that really, like stick at the top of my mind. That Lazarus. Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of good image books. Uh, Black Science. Yeah. Christ. Deadly Class. It might, might be too early to say whether or not low, but. I thought it started off really well. We might have to do a non-image. Non-image. <laughs> Oof. All right. Well, there's a lot of good stuff. And... You know, I'll be I'll be interested to see if any of the new um, Bat family of books coming out in the fall hit hard enough that they end up on. Oh, the, you know, year-end list. You're right because the uh, that's a very interesting crop of books. Yeah. And really, just you know, Batgirl, Gotham Academy. I don't know what that signals exactly from DC, but it's a very interesting swerve. Well, That's they really got good. Avengers Undercover. Mm-hmm. It's really it's good. A really good book. That was kind of. I think we we put uh, Avengers Arena up there last year. So and what about the recently announced canceled Superior Post of Spider-Man? I don't think it's a top five book, but it's like. Uh, it's like that one little restaurant that you really like a lot that you don't eat all the time. You remember it's there, and you go, "Oh right, you go there for lunch every once in a while." Like this is great. It's Arby's. It's like that, and then it closes because nobody went. Okay. It's not like Arby's. It's no. actually. I want, actually, I want you to take Arby's, and then I want you to sort of thematically turn 180 degrees, and it's that restaurant. Um, red Lobster. I'm thinking the Arby's that I know is across the street from a Red Lobster. You're so. just in Times Square right now. Is that what? You want me to turn 180 degrees in the 300? If I turn 360 degrees, it's an, it's Arby's again. We're really talking about a metaphor here, so we're we're good. Right. All right. So Next. Corey writes and says, "There's normally a lot of ta- uh, questions about which hero has the best villains, but in your opinions, which hero has the best supporting cast?" I uh, and family acquaintances. Captain Marvel has a really good supporting cast. Really interesting supporting cast. Shazam um, or the uh, Carol Danvers. Oh, Carol Danvers. Okay. Yeah. Although she's she's been in space, so lost a bit of that. But I think in um, you know in early in an earlier part of the run. I still think pre fifty two Superman has the best supporting cast between everybody at the paper. Mom, Pa, Kent. Steve Lombard. You know, his uh, Steve it Lombard. It's a good supported cast, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good opportunities for for super romance, but also just sort of all the other stuff. Lon Lang, P. Ross. I think it's still probably the best one. I don't think it's not really a supporting cast because it's hard to put it that way. But I I think that Foggy Nelson is one of the best supporting characters. 
in terms of of being important to and playing off the hero. Mm-hmm. I think he's. I think he's. I don't think Daredevil's nearly as good without Foggy. Um, he's an sense. army of one. It's true. Sorry, I think something's being born outside. <laughs> Can't hear it. There's this weird strange like cat yowling noise. I'm sorry. It's, That's false getting... supporting cast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> My vote is Superman. Superman is a is a good choice. All right, Paul, read number seven. Preacher. Sorry. That's so sure. Um, okay, Brad from Slidell, Louisiana. I just bought a house that is about 100 yards from a rebar manufacturing plant. Should I be worried? Yes. Move. Move! Wait, but isn't rebar normally in homes, in buildings? Like, isn't that good? Reba, yes, Wait, rebar no, holds concrete 100 together. from a rebar... Oh, no, get away. 100 yards from a rebar manufacturing plant? It's powder keg. Can you imagine what that sounds like? <laughs> just that, that sort of low thrum of vibrating death metal? Or just death metal every, every day he walks outside, there's just a piece stuck in his lawn. <laughs> Lost another one. <laughs> Brad should should not just, just move. He should burn down his house and should salt the property. <laughs> really just dead dogs swaying on poles all over the neighborhood. <laughs> just been left and right. Just, just just sticking through the 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 drywall and his house comes shooting through. Maybe we shouldn't have built a combination compressed air rebar plant. <laughs> oh. Andrew writes in and says, as of Guardians of the, as of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I believe that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has introduced four Infinity Stones. We've got a counter. Can you guess or speculate which gems are which and possible cool ways to introduce the remaining two? I'm assuming the following are Space Gem, Tesseract, Mind Gem, the gem on Loki's staff, Time Gem, Ether, Power Gem, shown in Guardians. I assume that Ether is the Time Gem because it was going to be used in the change from the universe from the light time to the dark. I know most of these are unconformed, but it's mostly my speculation. As a side note, I think it would be very easy to introduce the Soul Gem unannounced in Doctor Strange in, in the unannounced Doctor Strange movie. Uh, sidebar here. I'm done with the question. I'm just saying a thing. I had come out of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And I'm going to sound like a dick right now, so just oh, deal geez. with this. I come out of the Guardians, and somebody was uh, saying something like this, and I I found an excuse to go away. <laughs> I was like, I I gotta I I have no idea. The I only thing I think he's wrong in is that the ether is the reality gem, and not the time gem. I don't think we've seen the time gem yet. We haven't seen this time gem or the soul gem yet. Like, do you guys know this stuff without looking? No, I don't. No, I just looked at, look it up after the colors oh, okay. and everything are similar. Um, it's interesting. There's a lot of YouTube videos where people yes, show clips from the movies. Are like, yeah, and there's they're like seven get, minutes long. I get that this is a fun thing for comic book people. I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't imagine. I think the Soul Gem. Well, it's interesting because well, let's just talk about stories from. So sure. we know this is all leading up to the Infinity Gauntlet and Thanos or Thanos. Right, we finally that one guy who emailed us or that one or called us Josh that one time. Thanos got mad at us about a Thanos. Thanos was proven correct in this Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So good, good for you. Wait, how did they say it? Thanos. That's what I said. I thought you were saying Thanos. Tesseract yeah. makes sense as the space uh, gem. It just that makes sense. Yeah, it's Fester, and the mind gem is definitely Loki's staff because he's using that to control people's minds. And the power gem for sure was the orb in Guardians of the Galaxy. And right, I, they've I, talked about he, that, even though like the color is different, but like they said, like the you know ether took red. Normally, the power gem is red. Purple worked better for guardians, so right. the power gem is now Can you purple. Imagine how boring the scene is going to be where they try to explain that in that movie. 
They don't need to explain the, it, though. They did a good job in Guardians of it, making an entertaining exposition yeah. scene. Um, so, but the question is, if you reveal them all now, but Thanos isn't the villain until Avengers 3, then you've got a long way to go. You know, you're showing all your... all hanging out there. Yeah, you've got all these things and all these pieces on the board, but nothing happens until later. I think this should, uh, beginning of Avengers 3, in sepia tone, they should have uh, Kate Blanchett explaining how the Infinity Stones came to be. And which dwarves got what? Those are very long scenes. I don't know if you've seen those movies lately, but yeah, yeah. those yeah, movies are. are those scenes are long. They are. I they love that stuff though, so I don't mind. I don't. I don't mind either because it's really entertaining. But you don't realize it's like five minutes of exposition. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, then reached in the water. <gasps> we hadn't seen it. We're fighting like that, so it was all entertaining. All right, Dave. I audible, and yeah. then get to have everybody chase after the three pieces of the BET. That's just my. Broadcast energy transmission. If Serpentor shows up in Avengers three, then I will retire. That would be. That would be. That's that's all I want. Dave from Chicago writes. He's got two questions. He says, number one, I wasn't listening to iFanboy when a hundred bullets and Kabuki were being published. Could you opine on these fine titles after they finished? <laughs> Josh, uh, the I was the only one reading them, and I didn't finish either. <laughs> okay. Uh, I dropped off a hundred bullets about fifty issues in because I I didn't feel like it was going anywhere. Uh, I only read the first trade. Like I think I read it twice. I read some Kabuki and I sort of liked it, and I, I enjoyed it. It was good, but I didn't feel like the need to keep going or to get the whole thing. And it was kind of at that time it was hard to get. Like it was like a like I remember I needed the first trade, and I and like after like a year of looking, I bought it from David Mack directly at Comic Con at one point. Like that was the only way to get it then. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't worth the effort to me, I guess. All right, so his second question. As a trade reader, I get somewhat upset after a trade or hardback is released, and then sometime later a more complete or collector's edition combined several trades comes out that I desperately want, but my original purchase tells me that it would be a waste of money and space. Thoughts on this? So you have a trade that comes out. Like, okay, for instance, the uh, Thor, the Mighty Avenger, they put those two digests out, and then... All-Star Superman. A couple years later, they put the complete version out, or All-Star Superman, so... Yeah, right. How do you guys feel when you buy a trade and then they put a complete version out? Didn't uh, didn't Mike Romo ask a question about um, All Star Superman at a panel? And <laughs> I think he did it a bunch of times. It was suggested that he take his volume one and volume two and glue them together. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great PR. Um, uh, I uh, well, I, it's, I think it's a it's it's a tricky question for a, for a trade waiter um, because you're you're chomping at the bit to get the story in any format, and all your friends have been talking about it already because they you know, read it in single issues. So I understand wanting to grab that first collection, reading in single issues. I read the single issues. I tend to bypass the smaller paperback trades. And I wait for there to be like I haven't bought collections of Thor God of Thunder even though I love it. Yeah, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for, for that inevitable deluxe collection of I get I'm assuming like twenty five or twenty six yeah. whatever it is. Um, you can always sell those other ones. You can do that, and I have done that. And just buy the new one. I I I I always want the complete edition, so I bought that Thor one because I wanted the whole story in one book. But you can just get rid of the other ones. It sucks, but 
they they know they make their money on multiple releases and multiple versions. It also it's just what what happens. Yeah. Like you know at this point that's what happens. That's how it's happened with DVDs. That's happened or Blu-rays and you know like that's just how it works. If they sell a thing and they sell enough of them, they're gonna try to figure out another way to do more of it. Or or if it gets big after that, it's just how it works. That's uh, so sell yeah, it, know, buy another one if you really like it. Returns. You know, so, I mean, so you could look into selling it. You could also look into, you know, like Saga is coming out with a deluxe edition at the end of the year. Right. Give away your trades as, you know, stocking stuffers to people. Yep. You know. All right. Uh, Mike. Who wants to uh, read that one? Mike from Antioch, California, and also Brentwood, California. Mike, when Mike, Mike wrote three times, and he every time he wrote it, he put a different place he was from. Oh, okay. It's moving Mike's around. a liar. He has three, yeah, three questions. He also uh, wasn't which, the only person to do that, by the way. <laughs> which comic titles... <laughs> You're all weirdos out there. I love every one of you. <laughs> we do. Which comic titles need... <laughs> which comic titles needs a calling? Meaning, does the Green Lantern universe have too many titles? Maybe the X-Men have too many amazing or uncanny or new titles. Uh, time to take some kryptonite to the Superman titles. It's a good question. Which families of books could stand to be less books. Well, should I ask answer as myself or as Ike Perlmuter? Could you answer as Mike Perlmuter, please? <laughs> he certainly believes one of the families has too many books. And that's, oh. those, those are going to go away. Um, I have a hard time saying yes to this because if people want to read them, then why not? Yeah, I mean... I mean I I them, let's but... say you're the, I don't know, the editor of these series, at, well, that's not a good, you know. If they're well, I'm always, of the, opinion, I'm always of the opinion that you should have fewer books and make them better. But right, you know, if you're a huge X Men fan, you want to read seven X Men books, then who am I to say you shouldn't have them? If you're not thinking about sales, but you're thinking about the cohesiveness of the overall story, are there any family of books that could benefit from there being less of those? Like, should there be I, less Batman books? I feel like this is less a problem than it used to be. Is I guess what I would say. Like there was a time where there were, I, I well maybe because I don't read. I don't think that, like I don't think anymore. it is because you've got a, a family of Avengers books. You've got like six of those. You've got like six Batman books. Well, um, here's well, I, like for me as a reader, it's not a problem because I pick out the one I read and read them, and I read them, and it doesn't right. really affect me unless they cross over and go back and forth. They did that with the uh, with the Jean Grey. Guardian story. And Superman I, books all just did that. They're doing it right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But the, the thing is, the exception to that rule is if it's good, it's good. That Doom story was pretty good, so it didn't bother me. Right. Uh, you know the the Jean Grey one. I missed issues in the middle, but I kind of could follow along anyway. It was fine. I, it's one of those things like used to bug the hell out of me. Now I just sort of roll with it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's never like obviously there's a lot of X Men books, and you wanted to read. You know, I I, I feel like it's only a problem if you feel somehow the compulsion that you need to read all of them to be taking part in what's going on. And then you probably maybe start to feel a little taken advantage of. But right. it's also... Like, the other thing they're doing now is, is double double shipping and stuff like that. So you're reading... If you're reading one book, you're getting a lot of it anyway. You're really getting pummeled. Like, if you're following all the X-Men yes. books and they're coming out twice a month as it is, you're, yeah. you're talking about but, dozens you know, like of I books. Was, when they all restarted, I, I tried them all. And I ended up sticking with it for a little while. I think I just read Wolverine and the X-Men and then all new X-Men and then... The school one ended, and I stopped reading that. And I just read all new X Men. That's the only one I read, and Cyclops, I guess. But that doesn't bother me. I don't need to read Uncanny X Men or whatever the other one is. Paul, what would you do if you were in charge? 
I think there are a lot of Green Lantern books. <laughs> are there? there are, aren't there? Um, I read that's my thing. Like, I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. I feel like I should like the Green Lantern books, and at times I have, but there's just so much there. And it's it's one of those things, you know, you, you sort of cut your losses. Like, I can't invest all of my care into everything, so you have to pick and choose, and sometimes good books fall by the wayside and not reading them. Um, it's 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 interesting. I mean, like we've been we've been at this show reading comics intensively for nine years now. Mm-hmm. The kind of things that used to bother me, like that that thing used to bother me, it totally doesn't anymore. I don't you know. Get my, you're getting mellow in your old age. Totally. Well, I don't give a shit. I go. I, all <laughs> I want to do is being mellow. I get no. I know. I want. I'm like, oh, that's a good comic book. I don't let the other stuff bother me. I guess. Well, I'm I've been telling Lindsay for years to start baking pot into your food. <laughs> She wouldn't even know where to get it. <laughs> You're in New Hampshire. Your neighbor's probably growing it. No, I mean, I know. I mean, let's no. skip the Jim, second question. Jim's a, Jim's a nice old Christian man. There's no way. Mike, Mike, though, they... other question is I was sitting here thinking for about an hour and then stopped, came back and pondered for a couple more hours. And I love that that meme still goes and it's, it's not the first time you're going to see it. Uh-huh. And, and also, it, it, we didn't take it from another podcast. It's no. a real thing that we will never tell you about. Does DC have a first family like the Fantastic Four? The closest I can think of would be like Batman with Alfred and Damien and Talia. Am I missing something here? Does DC hate family values? Please take your time and think on this question before answering. Shazam, it's the... My first family is the Marvel family. It's not the same thing, though. No, it's not at all. And also, they're not they're not like 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 Fantastic Four are the first family because they're literally the first family. Whereas Captain Marvel's a faucet; they were you know a licensed property was brought in basically. Um, I mean, is isn't it is it the L's of Krypton? No, I don't. I just don't think they have that particular patriarchal group in the DC Mm -hmm. universe. I think it's very specific to Marvel. I, just, I mean, there isn't like that family that is the center of the universe. Parent, parents die in the DC. Yeah, that's it's, it's funny because DC is considered to be the sort of not as edgy Silver Age one, but it's all it's, based on it's all orphans. Parents, they're just all orphans. Actually, and even the Marvel family fits into that. Mm-hmm. Aquaman, Wonder Woman has no father. Everyone's dead. Wow. The answer is no. Yeah, right. we're gonna go with no. <laughs> Josh, you take the next one, which has uh, seven questions. Which number is that? It's 11. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Dark siding like Granny Goodness? You were disturbed. No, that, just... was later. That, was, that was later, too. So Sam from South London, UK. I'm not going to do the whole thing like that. Just that part. <laughs> Thank God. That was the thing I used to do? Good Lord, I was annoying. I hated my 25-year-old self. <laughs> uh, number one, had a search round and found on Podcast Alley the first few episodes of iFanboy from back in 2005. Amazing to hear that, if anything, you guys sound more tired than... <laughs> <laughs> Right now, even? There's some great comics listed there. All-Star, Superman, Gotham Central, Strangers in Paradise. Is there one pick of the week that stands out in your memory, or maybe a book of the month, a choice that was just the most exciting or fun time working on this site or podcast? When I was in the beginning of that sentence, I thought, no, I don't remember any of that. But by the time I got to the end, I did think of a couple. So I'll let... Well, there's uh, lots of fun... I have lots of fun memories. You know what's interesting? Let's talk about how we don't have to write it anymore. Okay. Um, I actually kind of missed the challenge of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, it required yeah. a discipline. We wrote them every week, and I, I was looking back through some old correspondence as I was cleaning out our our email box, and people were asking, "Why don't you just 
post the pick any you know any day before the show. Why does it have to be Wednesday? The thing is, if we had given ourselves a window, we would have waited to the, the end every time. And there was a little while where we did before we did the show. Right, but the thing is, since it had to go Wednesday, there was a discipline involved. You had to read the books, you had to find an angle, and you had to come up with a thousand words on it. And you had to do it every third week. And uh, I was really proud of our output on it. Yep. And proud of, of that. And I kind, of, I kind of strangely missed that aspect of having it. You know, it's kind of like being a journalist. The paper's got to go out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, a lot of newspaper writers or reporters say that's the best kind of writing is when you have a deadline and you have to get out no matter what. Oh, absolutely. I can't work without a deadline. I I suck when I can just do whatever. I I think I think the thing about that is that um, you hear a lot about you, you hear people complaining a lot about internet websites and comic book writers and reviewers not knowing what they're talking about, and that was us. We didn't know what we were talking about. We learned how to talk about what we were talking about. The thing that doing that did was it made us have to think about why those comics were good and what were those and what you could yeah, say you had about to, them. You had you to had find – after after the fourth time you picked Captain America, it was just because you liked Steve Rogers. You had to find yeah. the reason why the comic was good and it had to be about craft and story. Yep. So, and that made me learn about it yeah, because exactly. the thing was once people started listening to the show and reading the site, like you – you you had it had to be something there. People were looking at it like you had to know what you were talking about, and if you screwed up, you'd get called out on it. And it made me have to learn about why comics were good and what it was that. And it, it's totally subjective too, in one way, but also not in another. But like, there's that there's that the craft part's really good, and then there's how it hits you. Those are the two things that come together. Right. Uh, there's an emotional reaction, and there's the craft reaction. And the, the pick could be a combination or either or, but. Mm-hmm. I really do miss that discipline, um, yeah. Because you know, you come on the show now. I don't have, I don't have a thousand word essay to base my first yep. ten minutes on the show on. But you do have, you know, whatever. But now it's sort of instinctual. Eight, eight years of of, uh, of of practice and knowing what it was that the thing. That sure. Sort of, now it's just instinctual. Yeah. My favorite pickle um, memory is those time that Josh picked scalped over Blackest Night. Fucking great issue. <laughs> it wasn't great. Issue. That was the one. Is it was it the one about the two two old people? Yeah. Yeah, the two old people. On it was the, great. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's not a great issue. It was. It was. A, that was a. You know what? That was a better issue than that Blackest Night issue any day of the week. And at the end of the I day, don't think so, true. at the end of the day, Scalped was such a better work than 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 Blackest Night was. It. I feel completely justified and vindicated in it. Paul, what did, what was your memory of of doing the pick of the week? You had it for less time, so... Yeah, I've had it for less time, but I don't... Uh... What, was the, what was the first one like? The first that? one was... Um, it was Batman, right? It was Death in the Family? I think it was the last... Was it the last issue of Death in the Family? I think that was my first pick. I don't know. My history is a bridge collapsing behind me. Uh, I, I, I have answers, so you think about that for a second. I actually okay. have a few that, that came up as I was thinking about it. The first one I thought of, the original one was I wrote, uh, it was a, there was Devil's Due issue of number one of G.I. Joe that was the week of September 11th. That wasn't your first one. No, but it's the first one that I remember. Like, oh, it was right, the first yeah, one yeah. I remembered as a thing that, that stuck out to me. Um, and it was such a cathartic, fun read. I don't even know if the book was any good, but it was what we needed to read at that point. And like I wrote, matter, yeah. Yeah, I wrote like this totally jingoistic thing. Like I think I like dramatically wrote like Yo Joe at the end, and but I remember it like it like that was a thing that that was that was great. Um, I remember like I wrote a pick of the week uh, for Why the Last Man number one, and and well, like, you, I, if you go back that far, and you yeah. can you can find those in the Wayback Machine website because they don't exist on the site anymore. But uh, those picks were awful. 
Yeah, no, they totally were. But we, like, we, I, we I, wrote like two paragraphs, and it was yeah, pretty terrible. Totally. Um, going going later. I mean, I think that you can then go forward to be like like when when Saga number one was was a pick of the week. Then then you could really like at that point you're like whatever it was that I saw but was unable to articulate in what Brian Vaughn was doing back in Why the Last Man the first one. You know, and you can mm-hmm. come back and, and look at those threads and look at what makes up that kind of storyteller. Um, and then the, the only other one that I wanted to bring up was I, I had a book of the month for um, A Tale of Sand by Ramon Perez. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, I, and I said it all through that year, like, that was like the only book that really, really excited me that year. Like, it was a really huge book for me. I remember being in Ron's house when he picked the, all the Civil War tie-ins as the pick of the week. Damn. And I was like, come on. <laughs> he's like no it's all of them and I was like come on man pick one he's like no no it's all of them never fly today he picked like seven yeah, I miss the the strikeouts start off the pick of the week review with a joke that I would do a strike through oh right the strike those are fun to write I, I thought you meant like them. starting the review and then and then having to start over I did that a bunch of times I did oh I, yeah uh, I wrote I wrote the the only uh, negative reverse one I ever did was for All Star Batman number one. <laughs> I made it pick of the week because it was awful. The anti pick, yeah. Yep. Yep. That was fun. We had we had fun back then before people got really. All right, good. he's got a bunch more questions. Let's go. Uh, skip uh, to three. Okay. I'm currently looking after my 10 month old daughter full time. You son of. Oh, sorry, buddy. Uh, at least until November, possibly for big chunks of time in the future. I'm kids are great. That's not what I mean. But you're tired. That's what I'm saying. Read the goddamn question. I'm trying to relate. <laughs> Comics are trick across the globe, no less. Comics are tricky to read with a crawly kid around, so podcasts are primary entertainment. Don't think that I heard you guys mention podcasts in the last media roundup. So you guys have any current radio yeah, podcasts that are lagging? Like, we did that already. Sorry. Nice, nice going. Speaking of my daughter, when can I show her Star Wars? All right, here's what I know. It depends on her. Uh, my kid is scared of stuff, so like I tried to show him Jedi, and he was like, "Fuck that! Those fucking aliens are scary." Um, he's about four. I think he was actually better with it around three. This year is the more of the scared time. Uh, but you can do it a little differently. It's almost better when they're young to introduce them to the characters so that when they watch the movie, they have a context for it. The thing that worked for my kid, the thing that made him like it was we played um, Star Wars, uh, Lego Star Wars on Wii. Mm. Um, that was when he, a little before he turned four, I think. Uh, he's terrible at it. I but, think I was. I think I went to Empire when it came out, so I was, what, uh, four? Four, three. Three, yeah, but I did two, ten and I remember watching. I watched. Mm-hmm. No, you got to wait. They don't know anything at ten months. Uh, it's at least three, uh, and it won't mean anything to them then. I um I still haven't seen them. Um, I was in the fourth <laughs> grade. I was in the fourth grade when I first saw them. If you, um, out of all of the things that you don't like that we do like, if Star Wars was one of them, I don't think that you would be sitting here. <laughs> the fact that you like Star Wars means a lot. Yeah, you wouldn't have made it through the interview process. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It would have been one of those notes, notations in the Carol, car. Carol would have walked in and handed us a note, and we would have looked at it, and then looked up at you, and then we would have had a little conference with each other, and then we would have been like, anyways, thanks for coming in. I was, uh, would have been I was big into Star Wars. I mean, I made home movies. With like the, When you had the cameras, they would sit on your shoulder. Like my, I borrowed my aunt's video camera, and I shot Star Wars movies with Star Wars action figures and stuff. Not well, there's a, there's a photo of me somewhere as a little kid dressed as Han Solo. With my teddy bear, probably was Chewbacca. <laughs> From 1983 to 1986. Yeah. Uh, Let's do all right. question five, and then we'll be done with him. Yeah. Uh, what's the last book you rebought as a fancy hardcover, Connor? So rebought would mean a book you already own that is a softcover? 
Uh, or or you bought it in issues, maybe. So right, I have it here. In some way. I just put it on the shelf before the show. Oh, hold it up for the crowd. It's uh, Fury Max. I got that too. Although I, hardcover. This is the first. Well, no, I got the, I had the the paperback of Volume One, and I liked it. And I waited for this. Uh, it's beautiful. It's oversized, and uh, this so that so Fury Max. This I literally got this last week, so that would be the one I most recently. Still buy books at the pace that you used to, Connor. Uh, <laughs> not, not, not really. Um, okay. Money, money's been allocated <laughs> to other zones, but uh, I still buy something like big stuff that comes out. Like I bought um, Seconds, the new Brian Lee O'Malley book, which I haven't read yet. Um, that was real good. And uh, I still you buy the Batman on every single time out. But um, do you still you know, buy stuff? Plus? Right now, the allocation has been changed. Uh-huh. That sounds like you're talking about drugs. So just <laughs> put that out there. I buy the drugs and send them to your wife, and she puts them in your food. Right. Okay, Josh, cool. you're asking me if I still buy books. Yeah. Do you still buy them like you used to, or do you have? Have you seen my Instagram feed? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> are you like a Pat? Are you like a Pat Loika level buyer? If for those who don't know, Pat no, no, nobody is a no, nobody right. is a Pat Loika level buyer of a Pat, um, and I love him for it. Um, I although speaking of Pat, I'd be proud to see this Infinity Gauntlet. Ooh, omnibus. Is that new hardcover? Oh, omnibus. Oh, it's a, it's a new omnibus. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have all of this, you know, in other formats, but I had, you know, the Infinity Gauntlet paperback and. I have the issues that I bought like in a little pack, like at some shitty convention, like all the issues originally. That's pretty cool. I, I, I have a distinct memory of that first issue coming out, mm-hmm. reading it and being so excited for it. Because I think it was the first real big event that I remember being old enough to really appreciate what was going on. I read, I read Infinity Gauntlet much later, but um, it was uh, one of my earliest big Marvel reads. So uh, just to to finish up, I I I was, honestly I don't know if I remember what the last thing I bought was because I don't tend to buy books all that often because I recommend buying the Fury Max book, Josh. It was really nice. I, I won't re- like like I right now like I honestly I have a stack you know like like a foot high of books that I haven't read because I have two little kids and a mm-hmm. job and this and everything. And I just know I don't have time to read it. Um, however, uh, I did the other day put in my cart, uh, and I didn't buy it. Uh, was the second volume of Fear Agent, hmm. which is significant because like like I haven't bought a book like that in a really like the last the library book, edition size one. Yeah, the, yeah, the last actual mm-hmm. book that I bought that I didn't either you know get for free or get as a gift was uh, the last Darwin Cook book. So it's not like I'm buying books that often. I I, I have plenty to read. I guess is the thing. All right, let's go. Uh, the next question is somewhat related. Scott from Orlando, Florida. What is your order of reading preference from the following choices? Reading a hardcover trade, reading a softcover trade, reading a physical comic, reading a digital comic on Comicsology, reading a digital comic PDF. So, and related, what application do you use to read comic PDFs? I've okay. really gotten used to reading digitally on on Comicsology. I never, ever, 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 ever use uh, panel view. So basically, the experience is about the same as a PDF. For which mm-hmm. I think we all use Goodreader. We all use I use Goodreader for PDFs. So yeah. like, I just read through all of Preacher again. Like, but I read it digitally, even though I had the books here, because it's way easier for me. I can, you know, carry it around, read it on a plane, whatever. Yeah, I think I, I mean, I still like reading a trade, so I'd probably put a trade on top. Mm-hmm. Um, but comicsology, I prefer over a physical comic, absolutely. It's very easy to just fly through a run of books on the, on the comicsology yeah. app. 
don't know. It depends on the book. Um, like some formats more than others. I like like a chunky paperback. Uh, I think those Queen and Country books are really nice. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if I've, mentioned, if I've mentioned it on the show yet, but I got a new iPad, and uh, Comixology looks really, really nice on it. Uh, the what? colors are just splendiferous. Um, so I really like reading digitally now. I didn't I was, before because I was stuck to reading uh, panel view on a 13-inch MacBook screen. That's awful. I'm sorry. And it's not ideal at all. So I didn't get it, and then I got the iPad, and I got it. So, I was going to have my, uh, my um, iPad on the the table for this show, but it's too heavy. And, uh... You had the saddle replaced recently, though, right? Yeah. So that, would, that would help. <laughs> oh, boy. The exhaust pipe was burning his leg, so it's, it was a it's whole hot. thing. You have to... I don't have my gas mask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I heard you had... I had the, you had the... I think it was, was the third operator he was out for a week. So he, because without the full team of four, it's not going to run right. So you got to have that guy in. Well, the specialist was in Taiwan getting mm-hmm. training, and uh, I've heard that know. in your area, the uh, the darker shade of moths are doing much better than the lighter shade. <sighs> it's a problem, Paul. It's a problem. All right, Josh, do thirteen. Uh, Scott in Denver, Colorado. Has anyone considered the identical nature of Paul and Nick Offerman's giggle laugh? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what Nick Offerman's laugh is like. Does anyone? I have to move on. It's you, Scott. Um, I did, mate, it's not based on anyone else's laugh. It's just it happens. It's your actual um, laugh. It's a, well. It's um. It's because in the beginning, um, Josh complained that I don't laugh at any of his jokes. So I'm trying to laugh more. Not my jokes. Any jokes. It was Paul does not laugh. This that really hurt Josh in the beginning. Yeah, but yeah, he took it very personally. Well, to to be never. fair, like the dynamic of the show was, if things were going down, I would say something dumb to make Ron laugh, and everything would perk up. And all of a sudden, I didn't have that anymore, and I was like, I need help. <laughs> so now I just laugh at everything. All right. Next, uh, Brian, Brian, go ahead. I'll read it. Uh, after giving in, after giving it several <laughs> hours of thought, it's still funny. Whilst having a cocktail, I realized that I don't know what rare characteristic character characteristics excite heterosexual white men when reading their comic books. As a gay man, I get very excited when I see characters come out, struggle with their identity, or have a same-sex love interest, as I can directly relate to their experiences. I assume something similar happens with minority and female readers when they see characters that they can directly identify with. But what do you? three presumably heterosexual men look for and get excited about in terms of comic book character identity. Boom. Same uh, thing, it's relatability. Yeah. It's it's whatever aspect of character or struggle I think that you either that are like you that are like you or that you aspire to be. Or that you can relate emotionally to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say that I get excited when I see those things that he say that he says excite other people because they're rare. Because it's, mm-hmm. I think it's cool to see things well, that are that are rare. So those things are not necessarily exclusive. Right. Can, no, no, no. I know. But I'm saying. No, no, I know. I'm I'm agreeing with you. I mean, like I can I can watch a story. I can read a story about about two gay characters getting together, and I know I know what love is. I want hmm. you to show me. I want you to know what love like is. You came very close. I air supplied you. You air supplied me. I almost happened. <laughs> 
Damn it. No, I can't get it out of my head. Um, <laughs> it's all about emotional relatability, whether no matter what the story is. So if you can find, if there's a truth in that story between the characters, then, you know, obviously if you're just talking about straight up relation, you know, relatability, you're, you find a character that you find similar to yourself or, or you, you see yourself in and you can relate to that person directly. Just as Brian does with the with the characters he's talking about, but you know, and as as white heterosexual men, we always just assume that everybody's just like us anyway. Aren't they? I I assume it's our world, baby. You're just living in it. <laughs> I was gonna say like That's literally. Reading, true, I'm sorry. Oh god. Reading reading Ms. Marvel. That's, you know, you just you. It's one of my favorite Louis C.K. jokes. Just the just oh, the. Okay. No, it's great being a white man. <laughs> Paul's trying to make a very heartfelt point about relating I'm really to a teenager and Paul you're not Josh is doing racism. I'm saying in reading Ms. Marvel, it's like you're you're being invited into into someone's house and it's not just, you know, it's not my house. I mean it's it's cool to see, you know, things that you can relate to that are like, right, you know, it's right, uh, peanuts on an airplane are weird. I like I get that. I understand that observation. But I also like seeing, bags. seeing things that are, are different and not part of my everyday and seeing that the world is, you know, a little bit bigger. See, I like that, but I usually it, I think the things that really connect to me are that when you see something like that which is like that on the outside, uh, but then like there is something you relate to. I think it's one right. of the reasons I like to read history. Like I've been you know, like we're talking about you know, World War One, and there, you know, you're you're stuck in a trench in Verdun or something like that. And the, and the thing that I imagine is, what the hell would that be like for me? Like, how would I fit into that? That's why I want to know as much about. It. And I know I'm no kind of man. I'm currently reading that D-Day book, Josh, that you saw. I, it's all it's sitting on my desk. I'm about halfway through it, and I, all I can think is, I would not have survived any of this. I, 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 I wouldn't even make it. Sorry. I'm sorry. Here's an interesting fact, and I'm sorry, I have to do this. So in World War One, uh, the first day. Afternoon of the Battle of Somme, uh, 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 sixty thousand men were killed. Yeah, that's in one afternoon. It was lost uh, by the British. Uh, uh, in the first twenty days following D-Day, twenty thousand men were killed. Mm-hmm. And those were from all across all the all the Allied forces. It just World War One is terrifying. Yeah. It, yes. It was awful. It was a meat grinder. Let's do the next question. Everyone ha- is in a good mood now. If we discuss that. We can talk about World War One all you want. That's fine. Matt writes and says, Paul especially likes to throw around the term space opera. What do you mean by that term, and what are your favorite space operas besides Star Wars and Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, damn. <laughs> he caught you, Paul, in his web. Besides those things, yeah. Flash Gordon is a good example of well, space opera. Well, first, back up, Poindexter. What does space what is- opera mean? Well, doing it by way of saying that's an example of it is it's more of a, an adventure story, a swashbuckling romance in the original definition of romance. Um, so not just like bodice ripping stuff, but like, you know, swashbuckling kind of thing um, set in outer space. So it's um, it's not hard science fiction, uh, but it's in the trappings of, of outer space. Um, and so it's very operatic. It's very big. It's very there's a lot of bravado um, and big emotion. Um, and so it's like it's it's adventure or fantasy set in outer space is how I would define it. And so your favorite besides Flash Gordon? So well, I but <laughs> is John Carter a space opera? John Carter, I think there are a lot of elements of space is opera. Um, space opera? There are elements. Um, there are elements of space opera in the that opening arc of uh, Thor: God of Thunder that we really liked, and I think um, that sort of Frazetta style that Isad Rubik uses is is very space opera to me. Um, but I mean. 
the most iconic thing is I think of Star Wars and Luke and Leia going, you know, on the rope across the the chasm in the Death Star. Why um, is Star Wars a space opera but not Star Trek? Star Trek is more um, science oriented. It's more about sociology um, and human behavior uh, and telling an allegory that way. It's almost like relating those fantastic stories to our real lives as opposed to Star Wars, which is almost fantasy in space, I guess. And where does Ice Pirates fit into it? Ice Pirates is a movie that I should not have seen when I did, but I was so hungry for movies like that. I saw it in theaters. Yeah, I did too, and I watched it many times. Um, and I kind of remember, what was the like space herpes? I believe <laughs> they were they, they needed eyes because no one had no one had. I don't. I just barely. Was remember. it a comedy? It was kind of a comedy. Yeah, I haven't thought about that in a really long time. Thank you, Dave, in the chat room for bringing up Ice Pirates because that's that, made me, <laughs> that brought me way back to the early '80s. All right, let's uh, jump ahead to 16, and then we're going to skip a couple. Uh, Amanke writes in and said, "I recently got into reading Aaron and Rubik's Thor because all of the praise you've been giving it really enjoyed it and love Rubik's art. Uh, but because I'm totally new to Thor and the gods and all that, how does immort- how does the immortality work? Because he does get old, as we see in the comic. But when does he stop getting old and reach the immortality point? I'm sure Thor fans knew this already, but just asking." Nothing to see here. Move along. It's that it's like fuzzy, fuzzy comic book science storytelling. Right. You do well, they just do it with apples, right? Then they have to eat fruit from the um, the life tree, keeps them immortal. Is that really and it's some I that's part of the mythology, I believe, and that's part of went into Marvel mythology. I think they talk about it in the Straczynski run. I believe I that's true. I, I might think be remembering that, it's that like, one, but. Like they're immortal compared to humans, but like they've got their own lifespans. They're just super long, maybe. Like you'd refer to the, you know, like the universe, you know, has its own. Uh, Listen, I've been reading but... comics for thirty years, and I still don't understand the immortality bit. Because I remember even watching the Thor movie recently and going, "But they're immortal. Why am I worried they're gonna die?" I mean, it's just it doesn't make any sense. You just kind of roll with it. I don't think they're actually die. immortal. I, th- I think they just. They they well like, like the only doesn't, doesn't, doesn't make any sense really. It's like he gets so old he has a heart attack and goes into sleep and then he wakes up again. It doesn't really you just kinda of roll with it. Remember when that one elf in uh, Lord of the Rings in the Two Towers goes to fight and ends up dying when he could have just walked away and gone to the with the Grey Havens or wherever where they're all leaving yes. Middle Earth. And that that's the tragedy of that is that he could have lived for a very long time. And it's, so it's like elves and Vulcans, which are basically the same thing. Um, Vulcans live an extra long time. Uh, it gets a little murkier when you get into superheroes. Yeah, you just kind of have to roll with uh, immortality. Yeah. All right, uh, let's, let's do 18. we got a relationship question. Oh, awesome. Someone else read. Paul, can you read that one? Number 18? Yeah. Working man from Arizona. I have a dilemma, and I hope you can help me out here. I'm a not overly confident male, and I've been in my job for years and have never really been interested in anyone there as far as a relationship goes, being a believer of not dipping my pen in company ink. Recently, this girl started working there, though, and I got to talking to her, and I kind of really dig her. Now, I don't have a great track record with girls, period, as I tend to corner myself in what some people would call the friend zone. I really don't want that to happen here. And I don't know what to do, 
but I know you all love relationship questions. Please help me out. All right. First thing you want to do is you want to go to the mall and go into Victoria's Secret. You want to buy a pair of underwear for women and you want to stuff them up your sleeve. <laughs> you want to go to lunch. You're like, what is this? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. I don't know how you're that right, happened. You're out of the friend zone right away. That's that's done. That's <laughs> Next. Um, Connor? Why are you asking me specifically about dipping your pin and company? I haven't been single in... A long time. Uh, dipping your pin in company can be really fun, but also really a problem, depending on how the, it goes. I've, um, so it's, it's tricky, because if it goes badly, then you're in for a lot of awkward times, and depending on your roles, HR times. Uh, but yeah, it, but Tim but and Dawn. it can be super fun. <laughs> Tim and Dawn. Right, it can be great. I, people, you know. These are the people who you spend your whole life with, and if it just so happens that the one who's there is the one for you, uh, then 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 it's worth it. You should never feel like there's any sort of uh, artificial barrier. If 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 that person is there, then that's the person. And uh, it can be really fun to spend time with that person because you you're Josh is right. You're there eight hour, eight nine hours a day with these people. Mm-hmm. So if you uh, here's along the way. Here's your problem. We got to get over this confidence thing. Yeah. You mentioned it to us several times. You keep saying how you're not confident. Um, so you're saying it, and then, which means that you're focusing on it, which makes you not feel confident, and you're ending up in the friend zone because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. No, you're, not, you're not displaying a confidence or a sexuality. Now, young 20s Josh version of confidence is not actual confidence. I do not recommend it. <laughs> no. You do not want to peacock. You do not want to overdo it. You don't want to be a thing. But like somebody, project it out there, and at the end of the day, uh, uh, you know, being direct is sometimes better, you know. Like, like you know, you start a relationship. You can be friendly. You can do stuff when you when you feel. When I mean do stuff, I mean hang out, talk, uh, uh, you know. And then if if it's a thing, you know, just be like, you know, I'm, I really like you. I'm interested in you. Is that a thing? And if not, then it's not. And it's fine. You didn't do anything wrong. Right. You don't, do a you don't have to be though. the one that makes yeah. it. You don't. No. Don't be creepy and don't try to be a uh, uh, super. Uh, Clever about it as some way to passive aggressively, or the uh, overly court courtship, overly uh, the night yes. the night thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the, fake, the fake. Don't wear armor. Thing. No. The uh, lady. I do think like she comes to her desk and there's like a billion flowers and a horse. Don't do that. Didn't that happen, well, on, TV? Awesome. Didn't that happen on TV's Ed? You actually get into armor. I never saw that. Yeah, you did. Ed got into armor. Yes. No. So just you can't watch that anywhere. I would recommend Working Man who. Did not want to give his name for obvious reasons. Um, just do it. It's fun. I've done it a few times. It's, it, it can be. It can make the day go quicker. That's for just sure. Just do it. Just, just barrel in there. Barrel right in. Barrel right in. I'm gonna barrel um, into this next question. Steve from Maryland. What classic cult flick should Paul watch next? Ooh. Some suggestions: Beetlejuice, 1988; Edward Scissorhands, 1990; The Monster Squad, 1987; Explorers, 1985. Or The Last Starfighter, 1984. Paul, have you seen any of these? I have seen all of those except for Explorers. I don't even know what that is. I don't yeah, know what that it's is. Uh, River Phoenix, and they, they, build a, they build a spaceship out of a, out of a, of a Tilt-A-Whirl car. Hmm. Okay. And they go to space, which, which by the way, that was, that was Josh Crack when I was at, oh my god, they made a spaceship out of junk that was laying around. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, uh... I actually have it on my Netflix queue, but I, just, I haven't watched it because I know I, I won't like it anymore. Uh, it's cool that they landed an alien spaceship and then it gets dumb. Um, here's the problem with these suggestions. Uh, outside of Beetlejuice, I don't really have... I don't think either of any of us have a real strong affinity for them. 
So the, the game only so works. So they can't get any joy out of Right, right. The game only works if Connor and I are both really into the movie or at least appreciate it. Have you seen Trading Places? <laughs> no. I'm not I, I I'm not super. Well, you haven't then 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 wait a second. I don't know that that's the best because I'm not I mean it, it would kind of work, but I'd have to watch it again. I'm not super familiar with it. I've seen it many times. Um I'm trying to think about what it be. I mean, well, here's the thing. We haven't done Goodfellas. I've seen Goodfellas. I know, but we had problems. I think you need to watch it again. What? You didn't like it. <laughs> See, he doesn't he doesn't want I to watch it. I liked it. Again. That right away. Yeah, but listen to you. I really enjoyed Goodfellas. Okay. <laughs> Gets the paw you, you the thing. What about oh. Beverly Hills Cop? Have you seen that? That's no. a good one. Oh, Beverly Hills really? Cop. That's the next one. Okay. Yeah. I can get behind that. Right. Beverly Hills Cop, the first one. So that'll be the next assignment you've got. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. We'll I don't go really with like that. Dramas, but... it's, it's a, it's a no, comedy. It's, most, it's a comedy. I know. Josh, do 20. Uh, Monty. Why are there so many black car comic book characters with black in their name? Because people were racist. Number 21. <laughs> Aaron from either Nebraska or Texas. I've heard in past shows that you guys don't really like the name iFanboy. If you could change it, what would you rename the site to? Is there anything else that you would change about your past experience, past iFanboy experience? And? And Bionic Dave in Los Angeles, you guys occasionally vent regret, bitterness, and or fury over having branded yourselves as iFanboy. So I ask, was there a runner-up name you wish you'd gone with? That's a question for you guys, because I came in, I had no choice in the matter. Well, it's funny, I was just recently going through some old papers, and I found uh, the printouts of the original emails between Josh, uh, Ron, and I about this, when we started the website. And uh, it, originally we wanted to be fanboys.com, but that was taken uh, then we was between iFanboy and eFanboy, which you didn't think there could be a worse thing than iFanboy. There it was, eFanboy. So, because uh, at the time, eHarmony, e, you know, eThings, there were a lot of e websites and things like that. Um, now our, our URL is worth something because of Apple. Right. So um, that was the, uh, the the actual real answer. Now, what some people don't, well, I guess no one really knows is, and we're not going to tell you what it was is that we almost did rebrand the website to a different name right before Graphically bought us. <laughs> and um, we had everything worked out. We were all ready to go. We were going to change. It was going to be a pretty major shakeup. It wouldn't have changed the content. It still would have been the same, but we, we were going to do a bunch of different new things, and then Graphically came in, and that changed those plans. But we were gonna, the name was going to be different. We had everything ready. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, we don't like the name at all. I did not know this. Yeah, you do know this. You were involved. Was I? Yeah. Magnus. Yes. Um. So okay. I like. I mean, here's the thing. I don't know that there's a good thing that I could tell you what I would have named it, and I wouldn't tell you anyway. Because if I had a really good idea, I'd keep it in my back pocket and I'd keep it there. It might have been that it was taken somewhere else. Um. But here's the problem with iFanboy. Uh, it sounds juvenile right away. It sounds uh exclusionary right away. It's for us. It really was sort of tongue in cheek at the time. We knew that that was kind of a nerdy thing to do. But in the ensuing years, everything got so wrapped up in nerd geek dork spaz nerd were geeks. And that, 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 and that didn't exist back then. No, it didn't. It didn't and exist I, in two thousand, and we were reclaiming as we thought because we were twenty one, and that's what you think when you're twenty one. We were reclaiming our fanboy, but 
the geek culture didn't exist, and now it's it, there's an instant connotation to the name that that we don't like. It doesn't. It's not. It, it's not an inclusionary of what became our later sort of stance, which was that comics weren't necessarily just the purview of the geeks. Right. <laughs> just as what's going to be ratings. That was our. That was our stance to begin with. Yeah, no, but the idea, I mean, the idea that I'd say that for a while the ethos, the overwhelming uh, thing of, of iFanboy was, you know, comics are are just another really great way to tell stories. Um, it's a it's a it's a wonderful original art form that deserves to be praised. You know, like it, it's it's good. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily it's not just about being a geek who likes capes and superheroes. It's it's a it's comics, and it, it happens that a lot of the good stuff is superheroes. We talk about that too. We don't have anything against that. Uh, and I think iFanboy just makes that window too small. Yeah. And let me... It's also embarrassing. Let me come to your rescue here a little bit, uh-huh. because I recently was in the position of naming a comic book website, and it's hard. It's really hard. There's a lot of stuff that's taken. There's a lot of things that are like, yeah, but that has this connotation. And I spent a lot of time on Hover.com typing in uh, URL possibilities, and they're all taken. It was a lot and... less hard two thousand though. Yeah, yeah. there yeah. was a lot more. It was a lot more available. So mm-hmm. we totally blew it. Well, so we yeah, we yeah. were literally we, the, the original plan was to be fanboys.com. dot com. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we were going to be fanboys. But then, <sighs> yeah. Well, there you go. That's what, that's that's the that's the name. So like like you know, over the time, I think we we actually sort of got past it. Like people who listened knew. Like we, I, I'm really, I was really we glad. We transcended the name. I'm really glad to hear, like, from women who who like it. You know, they don't feel like it's exclusive or anything like that, or uh, all different sorts of people. But you know, eh, what can you do? I knew it was bad when uh, when Greg Rucka couldn't pronounce it the first time. Ifin boy. Ifin boy, and and he just it was he he didn't like it. Was, oh, it's not cool. <laughs> I was like Paul Cornell, I comma fanboy, which is very. I, I like the gravitas of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very nice. Um, why don't we just name it right now? We rename it. Would uh, like Google Kevin Hangouts? Could we? Kevin the website. Daniel Craig. <laughs> Daniel Craig, Craig is dreamy.com. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Doug Ross. Twenty-two. Josh. Twenty-two. I just had it up and now it's gone. Tony how asks, long should I go between oil changes on my original iPad?" Asked Tony. Forty thousand swipes. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, get in there. Forty thousand swipes, or you start chugging. That's gonna, that's gonna be like four days, <laughs> depending on on you know other devices you have around. You gotta get that um, power PC only um, swipe counter. Well, you wanna you wanna yeah. run the synthetic. Yeah. That's the, that's that's straight away you wanna switch to synthetic. It's gonna cost you a little more, but you're gonna be able to go. And you're gonna want the true coat as well. Yeah, okay, well, you get well the those, they, those original uh, iPads, like the the glass would just. Just the tiniest bit of torsional force, and it would shatter, uh, like a like a rebar compression compressed air factory. Right. <laughs> did you, Josh? Did you have the crank version? Because I have to, I have to stick the crank in and just turn it to start in the morning. Well, what it was is that I originally it was the hand crank, but I had thrown out my shoulders to such effect as that I actually had to get the the diesel starter add on. Um, which I mean, was what no one knows is one of the reasons I moved to LA is because the winters were just so hard in the iPad that I couldn't. It took me hours yeah. in the morning. It was the rust issue. It yeah. was the whole thing. 
Uh, so Ryan, <laughs> I think a lot of the a lot of the really early iPad iterations, um, the resolution is entirely dependent on how good of an artist the little tiny bird is with the chisel inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the literal canary in the coal mine. They were made almost of uh, composite coal. Good point, uh, R- Also, Ryan. Uh, I've been that was easy. I've Ryan from Orlando. I've been out of the game for the last five years, but I'm happy to be back. The first thing I did was resubscribe to your podcast. They're still doing it. We've been doing this so long that someone could leave comics for five years <laughs> and true. come back. Yeah, I had I had some thoughts about that the other day. Anyway, I was happy to hear about this all email show. But my question is, what would you say are your top five books that I've missed out on these last couple of years? Thor, God of Thunder, somebody else go. Saga. Well, I, I did some uh, preliminary writing here. So here are oh. some of the books in the last five years. I went through our old picks. I looked at some of the names that popped up a lot. Uh, American Vampire, Jonah Hex, Private Eye, Fury Max, Thor, God of Thunder, Hawkeye, Batman, Saga, Daredevil, Invincible, Walking Dead, Chew, Scalped, The End of Jeff Johns' Justice Society, G.I. Joe Cobra, Batman and Robin, the Grant Morrison stuff, Wednesday Comics, Day Tripper, Power Girl, Detective Comics. That was both Rucka and Scott Snyder. Um... Those are the books that popped up a lot in our picks over the last five years. It, there's a really a lot of great books in that time frame. Yeah, yeah. And you'll find no them. lack of them. Does it look my entire tenure here? <laughs> when did I start? It's like 2007? Probably. So it's a little, well, okay. So I I've think it was later than that. that. Yeah, so. We, 2008 was when Connor and I went full time. Okay. And so money started to be part of it later. So there's lots of books, Ryan. All you gotta do is listen to those shows you missed. You'll find tons of them. But if you listen, if you slow down what I said just then, uh, there's there's that, those are 20 books that are all great. Wow. They can check That's out. Good work. Uh, Drew writes and says he's got two questions. The first, why the hell does Connor's name only have one N in it? Every time I see it, I want to pronounce it like he's Kryptonian or something. Con or of the Krypton Wicker Guild. Because that's the goddamn way it's spelled. That's the Irish spelling. That is uh, the Irish spelling. My family is Scottish, but that's the Irish spelling of Connor. It's the correct way. If you go to Ireland, you see my name. It, Flanagan is always spelled with one N, and everybody in America tries to spell it with two Ns. There's something about whatever the Americanization is that people think there need to be two Ns in everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it upsets me more when people spell Connor's name wrong than it does him. Yeah. Um, so that's the why. It's the Irish spelling. Uh, so question two. I've tried following the history of iFan, or the continuity, if you will, and I seem to have a decent idea based on what has been said publicly, but there's one bit I would like clearing up. What the hell are your current day jobs? I'm guessing Connor wrestled, wrestles bears, Paul is a duck farm, and Josh professionally tells kids to get off his lawn. Am I close to the mark? And, because uh, I have a beard, okay. Right. A variation of this question was asked by Nico and Robert and Kevin, people who are all apparently very concerned about what we do during the day. So what do you do? Josh, uh, I work for. You talk kids to get off your lawns. No, I've never actually done that. Were you looking forward to it though? I've seen I've seen dogs start to poop on my lawn, and I was pretty close at that point. But other than all that, the, all the signs and razor wire are a good deterrent. I work I work for Blurb.com, which is a uh, self-publishing book printing uh, company. If you want to make books, uh, it's a really good way to do it. If you're a comic person, uh, we don't have like uh, the comic book size, so you can do some slightly different sizes, but it's really good if you need to make a sample album or like a, like a handful of books that you want to take to a convention or sketchbooks. Super good for like high-quality sketchbooks, um, print-on-demand stuff, all sorts of things like that. I work with uh, big orders of books. Uh, that's what I do. 
in the day now. So I still get to work with creative people. Uh, I worked for Graphically for a long time until Graphically went out of business. Um, I worked with publishers at that point. We weren't really doing comics uh, so much anymore. Uh, best job I ever had was working for iFanboy full time. And how many years did you do that for? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, well, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess off and on. Four. I did from 2008 to 2010, and then I got a, a job for a little bit, and then Graphically bought us, and then we did it for about another year and a half or so before. Well, hold on, on for that, because there's another question about that later on. Okay. Uh, Paul? Okay. Um, You're a mystic, see. right? I'm a mystic, yeah. You're a mentalist? Uh, my shaman. shaman stave is over there. Um... I have been uh, working freelance in comics journalism for the past year or so um, for Marvel.com and CBR. Uh, I'm winding that stuff down because I will be working full-time starting September 1st for uh, Riot New Media and our new website, Panels.net. And we just recorded our first sort of placeholder podcast today, so we'll be doing that. Uh, I will not be going anywhere. I'm not leaving iFanboy or anything like that. It's a flexible enough job that... Um, is it about comics? I get to do that, yeah. It is about is comics. That's comic of the week? It's not about aluminum siding, no. Um, it is about all different kinds of comics. Do you talk about the best book of the week as well as other books and topics of interest? Yes, we are going to be doing a little bit of that, but it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit different. And uh, we have a great team of contributors. What's that? Can I talk to you on the side while Paul discusses <laughs> him doing the exact same podcast for his website? Actually, no. Our podcast is is different. Um, oh, we're going to be we're actually going to be talking about um, sort of current events and news stuff, which we do in our e block, but not all the time on iFanboy. And uh, and then we'll be talking about like the books to look forward to in the coming week. So it's a completely different thing. So I'll be, I'll be recording it's that really show. It's called e panels and <laughs> e panels pick of the week podcast. It does, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> and we've got a couple. Of, I, I, I st- stole some of the iFanboy contributors. Don't evade. Uh, but we are very excited about it, and uh, and that will be my my full time gig. So, um, and it wouldn't have happened without you guys. So, thank you. You're welcome. Um, I work at. Oh, a, what do you do? I work at a creative agency in Los Angeles. We do a lot of different things for different clients. Most recently, you may have seen me tweeting about a video game that we helped uh, incubate. It's coming out called Grey Goo, coming out next year, and there's a second one on the way after that. If you were in San Diego and were at our party, you probably saw some of that at the party. Um, I work with iFanboy staff writer Mike Romo. So I get to hang out with him all day long, which is fun. And uh, do lots of cool stuff for lots of cool companies. Some of them are entertainment-based. Some of them are just regular old companies that build stuff, and we help them do all kinds of things depending on the job. And it's kind of vague, but it is a lot of nuance and interesting things like that. So it's interesting to uh, do that. I still miss doing iFanboy, though. I will say that. Yeah, well, obviously. I do and I don't. There are aspects of it I don't for sure miss. There's a lot of them I don't, but I miss, I, working. I miss working with you guys mostly. I miss that. I, yeah. I do. I, I miss working in. I, I miss saying I work in comics. That was like the time I was most like finally I'm doing a thing that I feel like like it's the thing I know best. Like I could be like I like the idea that every once in a while we would be put on the radio because we were experts about comic books. Like <laughs> it was like this little, you know, not that specifically, but like I liked being in that position. And I love, you know, I worked with people from all over the world, and there's people in 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 different industries, and, and like the people where I live are very different. Comics people are my favorite people. 
like they just are. They're interesting and they're funny. Like there's a there's a shared sense of humor in a community, and and they're smart. Uh, not everyone, but uh, you know, I like I I really like uh, comics folk. All right, let's jump to question thirty. I am gonna scan down Joel in Prosser, Washington. One first, can we get some Hall and Oates or Counting Crows music for the opening? Well, you could have the first one, maybe, but definitely not the one. Yeah. Uh, two. What is your favorite title of any publisher that was canceled and left you wanting more? Mine is Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, a great bonding book for me and my brother. That's sad. Easy question. Yeah, what? Thor, the Mighty Avenger. Yeah, that's the one that broke me. Like, I don't get upset about cancellations anymore. I think if I think if you listen to that show when it was when when it was announced, I remember I remember distinctly recording that episode. But weren't we all together in my apartment in Brooklyn, Josh? When that happened, I have no idea. I think we were. Um, that was the one that really broke me on the system, and I was like, I don't really get upset about it anymore. I don't know why. Uh, the one that always pops into my head is Wildcats 3.0. Mm-hmm. It's always the one. There's that. It was one a really long time ago. One of the first Ed Rubaker series I ever read it was called Dead Enders. I think he made it seven issues or something like that. Was, they just put out a collection of them. I know, but it's still only seven issues, so it's like we didn't get to go anywhere with it. Uh, I think Wildcats was the one that was the most interesting. Uh, early yeah. On that book. Not not canceled, but ended abruptly. Uh, would be fell. <laughs> I would love to see more of that, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of books that just disappeared, aren't they? Non-player. Well, that didn't. That's... I come across my issue one of non-player every once in a while. And do you hide it when you find it? Do you go hide it somewhere else so that I you... just put it somewhere where I'm not going to see, like at the bottom of the stack, and then I have to dust. And there it is. And it's I on eBay. So. Uh, were you in the third one? Yeah. Are there any comics that you read that you don't even let your other iFanboy podcasters know about? Come on, who's the closest pe- cl- closet Peter Porker fan? First of all, there's nothing wrong with Peter Porker or Spider-Ham. Yep. That was a great, yeah. funny comic book in the 80s. Paul, the 80s was a time before you were born. Uh-huh. In which things happened. Okay. Involving um, cooking. I understand. There was lots of cocaine, <laughs> and there was all the fats, and we had really unfortunate style that was never going to come back in style. Um, no, I, I mean, there's, I don't... No, you know you know who used to hide books, Ron. Yeah, Ron, do you remember Ron would tell us on the show he was dropping something, and then all of a sudden he would be reading it, and we would call he him would out. Never on actually it. drop anything. Right. Um, I don't. There's nothing to it's be all, ashamed of. Nothing to be ashamed of, and it's all like like the shittier comic you read that you can find something to do on the show about and have fun with it. That's all. That's all material. I would. It'd be ridiculous to hide the material. Yeah. There's no yeah. No, no secrets here. They're always looking for to talk about something else because we have a lot of shared interests, I, yeah. And so we end up talking about the same things a lot, and that's that's cool, that's fun. But uh, always looking for something this, that you guys like. That's why that's why I talk about stray bullets. This goes into the larger. I mean, the, the larger issues there is is the guilty the guilty pleasure thing. Yeah, which, which I don't concept, agree with exists. I, yeah. A concept I do not believe in. Yeah. Yep. So there. Uh, not even Hollow Notes, man. If you like Hollow Notes, Joel, Hollow Notes is awesome. No, the, you the, like Counting Crows. Hey, do your Counting Crows thing. It, but it's terrible. <laughs> it's a long December, Josh. Yeah, so long. God, no. Someone, so I remember that they used to play that in the gym when I went to the gym. It was like just every forty minutes or so. 
That's why I should only play up tempo music. Because I start doing stuff to the tempo and it's a big problem. All right. Um, someone, I'm sorry. Someone in the chat was asking if I also work for a towing company. Yes, my family has a towing company. We've always had one. And I'm not very good with cars. Um, I can put air in tires. And I help out on uh, on recovery jobs, towing. But, uh, but yeah, so that's that's our family business. And I do help and, out. And that is something that we always like hearing about before the show. Paul, any good stories lately? <laughs> and he always has that something great. Uh, right, let's jump to 32. Tom says, over the last two years, I read through the Fantastic Four from issue one from 1961 to the current run. It was awesome. fascinating, and perhaps the title World's Greatest Comic Mag is not undeserved. If you had the time and the access to read through the complete run of a long-standing book, say 200-plus issues, what book would that be? It would be very close to being Fantastic Four. I think that's it. That's, if you were to ask me about like sort of the one run... Because it's... Stanley and Kirby, and then also the John Byrne stuff, and all. And... Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's such amazing stuff in there. Um, th- like from from for for decades, I think right. there's there's nothing like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be the one. I, there's nothing else. Like, I wouldn't want to read like Batman for that long because it's it's all over the place. I think there's bits of it that I would want to read, but I mean, that, for me, that's an obvious answer. So I'll put that one aside, and I'll say either Spider Man, because I really did love. You know, there's great stuff in there in the 80s and 90s. There really is. Yeah. Um, uh, and the Ditko stuff in the beginning, I think that's a great... That's a great... I mean, there's a reason why he's so popular. You know, he's a great character. Um, Stan and Romita. Or, I think the FF. I mean, it's... It's it's between those two. It's Fantastic Four and Amazing Spider-Man. Those are the, yeah. those are the two that, that if um, I really could, that's what I would do. Hellblazer is 200 plus, right? It's like 300 something, isn't it? Yeah. 300 I've read, I've read a very small chunk of Hellblazer, so I'd like to... There you go. Ahead. That'd be a great one. I'm re- and you can I'm do that. You can get all those trades. I'm rereading like like through Ennis, and I'm gonna keep going because I've never read like uh, Paul Jenkins. I am rereading those, and, and they're they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one other one I just thought of, and it's gone. I want to I want to read West Coast Avengers again. <laughs> but is, isn't there an omnibus for that? Yeah, I mean I have the issues. Like I literally pulled them out years ago, and I just haven't like gone through them again. Um, uh, Cerebus is the other one. Hmm. I would love to read Cerebus all the way through. Okay, right. what number are we up to? Let's do uh, 33. 33, Brian, also known as Pink. My wife and I are planning a two-week trip to L.A. and the surrounding area. Based on Connor's recommendation, we're definitely hitting up the WB Studio Tour. Are there any other stops you'd recommend? The Studio Tour is awesome, and I was actually rewatching Argo the other night because it's been on HBO every other day. Which is it's still great, by the way. Um, and there's the scene when Banaflex's character and Alan Arkin's character go and get tacos after their meeting with um, the producer or the screenwriter, and they're sitting on the Batman steps from the TV show, and that's on the studio tour. And I recognize it only because I just done the studio tour. But they were, which is funny because not Banaflex playing Batman, but they were sitting on the Batman 66 steps having those tacos. Um, but uh, Josh, you lived here for eight years. God, I, you know what I feel like if I went back to LA right now, it would be like a completely different place. I don't leave the West Side. But no, this is like asking a New Yorker what to visit New York. They don't know; they just go to work. <laughs> like I really, I hate to be that thing. And people would ask us like, "Where should we stay in a hotel?" I was like, "I don't know. I live here. I've never had to stay in a hotel." Well, all right. So surrounding areas: Santa Barbara County. Wait, 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 wait. We're talking about we're talking about LA. LA is gigantic, so it's yeah. it's hard to even 
set. You know, like what was my favorite thing in LA? My favorite thing in LA was was driving to Big Bear and going up to Santa Barbara and going out of LA. Honestly, like because it's beautiful. I, I assume there's still some beauty left, even though you're out of water. Santa Barbara County is is amazing. You can go up to tons of uh, wineries. Mm-hmm. Freebirds in Isla Vista is my favorite uh, burrito in the area. Um, there's, and there's tons of sea there. Santa Barbara itself is a fun place to walk around. They've got a nice zoo. Um, I mean, if you're in L.A. itself, you know, the beaches are beautiful. You're going to want to do the touristy stuff. You're going to want to go to Hollywood Boulevard. You're going to want to see the Hollywood sign from there and the WB Studio Tour and the La Brea Tar Pits, LACMA, the Los Angeles County. Go to LACMA. LACMA is great. Or, or the Getty Center. That's awesome. Do, yeah, do the Getty. It's the, it's the uh, mountaintop museum you can only take a trolley to. Or not a trolley. One of those uh, fucking things. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. What are those things? The monorail. Hey, monorail. No, monorail type things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's just, it's, there's lots of fun things to see. LA, what's great about the area is you've got different climates. You've got mountains not too far from mm-hmm. beaches, and you've got desert. And, uh, you know, you can get to all those places pretty, pretty quickly. And don't come to the Valley of Blows, which is what one of the commenters says. Uh, Gabe, Gabe, former columnist that I fanboy, he's correct. It blows. My favorite restaurant in the world was in the Valley, and the, it was called Chili My Soul. And uh, it was I, when I left, I was so upset that I wouldn't be able to eat it anymore. And then since then, the guy who run it has died, so I'm never going to have it again. I would go around and I would eat I would eat tacos from little stands in Hollywood. Like there's this there was this little stand called Great Tacos. Taco. It's just everywhere. Uh, it, it, they were so good. I mean, there was like a billion. Like all the restaurants have changed around, so I can't tell you where to go. But like, there's great food. But the thing is, in LA, like like a lot of people use there's like malls and shopping and shit. But that's the same anywhere. You don't need to go to the Grove because every other city has its own version of that kind of thing. You know, uh, yeah. what was the, what's the thing in, in Melrose? Wasn't there like a like a farmers market or something? Yeah, there's a farmers market where the Grove it, next to the Grove. It's in the right. uh, CBS lot uh, studio area, but. There's great, great walking around places. Like walking Melrose is fun. There's, ton, there's tons of little uh, indie clothing shops, and the Promenade's fun, and Santa Barbara, uh, Santa, uh, Santa Monica's nice. I mean, there's the pier and the Ferris wheel mm-hmm. little stuff. There's, there's lots of fun things. It's not really in walking distance, but uh, the Muter Museum of Medical Oddities. <laughs> I will recommend the Muter Museum. There. I've been there, Paul. Awesome. And, uh, Katy Perry was just there, according to their Twitter feed, um, and she seemed to enjoy it. Josh, uh, I went there for no, my doc research project. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. You know what I would do if I were you? One thing that was really cool about L.A. is that there's a lot of really great shows around if you like to watch music. Um, like, check the listings of, like, what's happening, and you can see a show. If you could see a show at, like, the El Rey or, or uh, like, the El Capitan. Or, no, that's El the... Cap- oh, there's lots of great movie theaters. That's yes, also... great movie theaters everywhere. El Capitan uh, shows only Disney films. It's owned by Disney, and that's a great theater. It's one of my favorites. Um, What's the one that I was thinking of? Uh, like where they the Kodak Theater where they hold the I saw Elvis Costello in like where they hold the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Elvis Costello in a bunch of places there, but uh, really great shows. And because they're kind of industry shows, sometimes they get they get um, they, they can be really interesting. Uh, or like the the Hollywood Bowl. I've seen John John Williams do stuff at the Hollywood Bowl a couple of times. That was yeah. I've seen other shows there too. Or um, what's the what's the uh, amphitheater in in Los Feliz? Uh, I don't know. It's in Los Feliz. Uh, no, but it's it's like a, like Griffith Observatory. There's a there's an amphitheater there. I can't yeah. remember the name of it. Um, it's a great comic shop. Someone actually just mentioned Melt, Meltdown Comics. Meltdown Comics is great. I don't even know if the Golden Apple is still there anymore. Golden Apple is cool still thing. there. They just moved down the street. Meltdown does shows. You know, you can go see comedy. There's that's like that's the kind of thing that I would do if I was in LA. I'd go see 
improv or stand up. Yeah. I go to UCB or I go to go to Meltdown. There's, there's a ton of stuff like that. You know, a lot of people. You know, yeah. Okay. Let's do Chris from Pennsylvania, 34. One I grew up with. I grew up with comics as a kid. My father has 20 long boxes of DC Silver and Bronze Age comics, plus 10 boxes of Archie regular size and Digest comics from the late 60s through the mid 90s. We want to keep some in the family. Frank Miller, Batman, Watchmen, first appearances, and people like Deadshot, Cyborg, blah 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 blah. Uh, but may consider selling the rest down the road. I've been putting every title, year, issue, volume, month into a spreadsheet, five boxes down, 25 to go. Should we put them on eBay, sell them in a local comic book convention? If somebody buys them in bulk, what would be the average cost per comic? I have no idea. No idea. Well, he thinks a dollar per. I, I think it's much less yeah. than that. Like an, it may be. you got to find the right shop. You're more likely to get credit than you would to get actual money. You'll get more in credit. if Some stores buy in bulk that. like by weight. They weigh, the, they weigh it and give you a price per pound. A lot of places give you... Pennies, pennies per issue. Yep, you're uh, better off selling good stuff on eBay if you're if you're pretty organized. Or donating, and I have um, a place to donate. One of the iFan base wrote in and said that they were looking for comics, their organization, and I have it written down somewhere. Here it is. Uh, the Miss Josh, this is near you, the Cheshire YNCA Camp, Dakota in New Hampshire. Hmm. Uh, they have campers ranging from seven to eighteen years old, and they've been around for 90, 97 years. And they have a library of over 500 books. But they're looking and they're desperate for comics to put in that library. So well, if you, they're about to get a delivery. So if you are a person with your comics and you want to get rid of them, you should email Scott Peckins, the executive director at scott at cheshireymca.org. That's C H E S H I R E Y M C A dot org. And they are desperate for comic donations. So that's one thing you can do uh, if you're looking to get rid of your comics. So that's a good uh, true number two. Why do you think so many people hate on DC? And why do so many DC fans hate on the kid shows like Teen Titans Go? Personally, my kids love the shows and know who the characters are like Cyborg and Raven. The shows get them into the DC Universe at a young age, which is a good thing, right? Yes. Yep. That's the whole yeah. point. Dude, I watched Ultimate Spider-Man mm -hmm. like way after it came out. And I remember like people were complaining that it was for kids or whatever. That show was awesome. The thing is, and we've, we've discussed this before, and but... And it was for younger people. These cartoons are all... The, all the ones that Marvel are doing are for a younger audience. All the ones that DC are doing right now are for a younger audience. And that's okay, because kids are allowed to have comic book things just for them. And the problem is, we've discussed this, is comic fans often have such a passionate ownership over the characters that if anything is not specifically for them, they freak out uh, because it's not meant for them. And they, they hold... Uh, they think this is my character and everything should be for me. But it's and not. the alternative is you've got the animated features that are direct-to-video, and lately, I would say they've not been directed at kids, and I don't like them nearly as much. <laughs> right. Not even lately. Haven't they all pretty molded? No, 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 no. Lately, they've been Especially worse. lately, oh. yeah. they've been pretty... Yeah, since, since they moved over to the new 52 area, um, I, mean, I think I think I think the overall answer is still going to be that that these characters are super malleable and there's lots of different interpretations and one does not cancel out the others. So stop worrying about it. Yeah, but uh, and it's great your kids like him because that's the whole point. Hopefully that leads them to want to read about him and then hopefully get some into comics. When I was a kid, I would have killed for stuff like that. Killed for it. Yeah, that would have been the greatest. All we had was like reruns of Spider-Man's and his amazing friends that were on at like 6:30 a.m. on a Saturday that I'd never had. I got it for him. Third uh, question. Yeah, Batman 66 DVDs this fall. Are you guys excited as I am? Already pre-ordered, motherfucker. Pre-ordered. Don't care. I'm gonna get Next. the little car. Jerk. Nice. Get the little car. 
Steve, Paul, thirty-five. Blu-ray. Blu uh, Steve from Maryland. Dancing Baby Groot and Hooked on a Feeling, an obvious homage to early Internet's first made meme popular by Ally McBeal. Well, you're drunk. That's <laughs> first meme made popular by Ally McBeal. Excuse me, sorry. Uh, no. I don't know. I doubt it. Probably not. Subconsciously, perhaps? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Will the Cinematic Brain Trust be retro-reviewing Howard the Duck of 1986? Pretty please? No. If we're doing <laughs> if we're doing retro reviews, we're doing the Phantom. We've we've discussed, and this was back when we were doing yeah, yeah, we full time doing retro yeah. reviews. We were going to do Daredevil. I remember that. We were going to do the pass. Um, but we we don't have time to go back. We barely have time. I mean, this weekend Sin City's out Sin City two, and because we're doing this show, we don't have time to do that. So it's hard to keep. It's hard enough keeping up with the nine comic book films a year they're putting out now. Then go back. I had to go way out of the way just to do the one. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Steve. Jeff from Atlanta, who is Randall4000 website, says, Music has always been a big part of the Pick of the Week podcast. Clue the fan base in to your top five favorite bands of all time or list a few moments where you heard a band that changed or shaped your outlook on popular music as an art form. I'm talking about the I never heard anything like that before moment. For me, it was Led Zeppelin, age 14, the Ramones, age 16, the Smiths, age 17, the Jesus and Mary Chain, age 19, and the Blo- My Bloody Valentine, age 20. Well, someone's uh, dropping names. Josh? Uh, yes. You're the only... I mean, Paul, too. I'm not uh, a guy, so I don't have anything to answer for this. Like, uh, I'm not going to do five, but uh, the Decemberists and Johnny Cash, that's all you need. If we're going all-time, I have a really hard time with that. Um, but it's it's... It's Beatles, Elvis Costello, Alice Pearl Chains. Jam. No, Pearl Jam even is like on the edge now. I'm kind of kidding. Van Halen, David Lee Roth. Um, no. Um, uh, uh, Nelson. I, I can't. There's this. I feel like this. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I go like like for the last few years, like like I'm such well, a I'm such a cliche. Uh, like, the, the new radicals. Bell Biv DeVoe, obviously. Now you know. Um, I like I love Pink Floyd. Uh, what was your first concert? Uh, Arrested Development. Nope, nope. Diggable Planets. Nice. Because they're who came, and then Arrested Development the next year. Not particularly because I love hip hop. It's just what it was. And then the next year, uh, Bad Religion. Uh, the next year was uh finally Dinosaur Junior played. So I got to see actual uh, rock band. Um, it's it's a super hard question, and I used to have it like down, but now I'm I'm not sure anymore. Who's Definitely, your number one all time? The Beatles. The Beatles are the greatest rock band of all time. The most important Paul? rock band. All time? Yeah. The Decemberists and Johnny Cash. There's only He wasn't in that band. Just one. That would have been, been a great cool. show, by the way. The <laughs> Decemberists cool. touring with Johnny Cash. Yes. Uh-huh. I would have seen the sh- shit out of that show. The Beatles are my all-time favorite, but the best live show I ever went to was the Decemberists. Yeah. That was one of my favorite. The best live show I ever saw, and this doesn't necessarily be the best performance I ever saw, was Buddy Guy. Hmm. Uh, just because he was amazing, um, but I've seen a bunch yeah. of amazing shows. Um, like it's hard to say. Like I, I you know, like I, I think, you know, I, I could, I could make an argument that I think Cream is one of the best bands ever, or, or, or something like that. But it gets, it gets, because I was also a guitar guy, so it goes all over the place. Guns uh, and Roses. No. 
No, I can't stand Guns N' Roses anymore. Like, I totally understand their... Like, I can like it, but I can... And I understand their importance Listen, in music. I love fucking driving through the streets with the windows down blasting Guns N' Roses. I think when I moved to New Hampshire, uh, like, Guns N... Or, like, like, it's all classic rock radio, and they, they just destroy... Radiohead, that's the other one that I knew I was forgetting. So that's four. So probably Radiohead and then Cake, something like that. But Cake is like a, like a side. Like, I love them, but they're not... All right, Jeff's second uh, question is, over the years, you guys have answered a lot of repeat questions on the podcast. Which questions do, you, do each of you think you've answered the most? My guesses would be, one, why don't Marvel and DC make movies that please me? Two, at what price will you stop buying single issues? Three, what's your top five favorite right now? I mean, right now. Four, when do I drop this book that upsets me or leaves me cold? Five, how do I break up with my comic shop? Six, how do I start reading a certain title I've never read before and feel overwhelmed by its lengthy history? <laughs> uh... I don't think we've ever been asked what price you stop buying single issues. I think we. I think that was a question a while ago, a long time ago. Like the, it seems like the price war because like we went through the thing where it went from like two ninety nine to three ninety nine. That was the big issue, and now it's kind of been like, oh well. Do you remember the article I wrote that got everybody pissed off about that? No, what was it? Vaguely, I wrote about how about it? Uh, uh, it was it was about the price increase and about at what point would you stop buying comics and how much they were worth per page and everything. And Brian Wood got all mad at me, and Brian Lee O'Malley got all mad at me. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was fun. Um, the thing is this. as, as we, we like to make fun of the repeat questions and, and stuff, but I subscribe to the idea uh, put, to, put forth by the great Joe DiMaggio, and I'm going to modify it for podcasting, that every show is somebody's first show. So if we answer a question a couple times, that's okay, because somebody listening for the first time may want to know the answer. And I don't get and that Our opinions could change. Yeah, our opinions do change. Sometimes. It's been nine years. Yeah, God, God forbid they should. My opinions now are not at all, or well, some of them are, but there's a lot of them that are different. Mm-hmm. Like your digital so, books. Yeah, exactly. Um, Paul, Paul any, any questions stand out to you? Any questions what? Stand out to you that you've answered many times? No. I, hate, I, I will hate say this. I hate the top five questions. Long-time uh, iFanboy fans will remember the letters column we used to do. We stopped doing that because we would get the same questions over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, doesn't make for good content on the website. I mean, I've done my iFanboy origin story a bunch of times. Everybody's heard the tonsil story. Uh, that's, Actually, it's funny, Paul. Somebody wrote in again this year asking that, even though last year we you answered it. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Paul, why don't we do 37? 37. Uh, Saad from Huntington Station, New York. Uh, with the current influx of comic book properties in movies and television, is there any property that you think would make a great TV show or movie that hasn't been done yet because it is buried under the piles of balls comics that come out every year? Piles of balls. I, I would love balls to. Balls as an adjective? Yeah, balls. Okay, all right. I would love to develop Lazarus as a TV show. I mean, I know we talk about it all the time, but I think you could do that for a relatively low budget. <sighs> It would have That'd to be, be for like a cable network. I think I, th- I totally think a cable network could do that show. There isn't really a lot of tech in it. Yeah, that's true. It's just a sword. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I, it's like it's like in the current influx. It's like this is just the standard now. It's just what it is. Although they don't they don't do they don't do a lot of uh, non superhero like TV projects. Like that's actually pretty rare to have them survive. Like The Walking Dead. Did, um, you, did you see the casting for Powers? 
That's weird. Isn't it? It was all very weird. Way off. I, I guess I could see... I guess I could... I don't I don't know if uh, Charlotte Copley... Is that it? Can... can I don't know. I don't know what his American accent's like, but like it's very. It's not what I would have pictured. And then, and then, Retro Girl is just weird. Michelle Forbes is like twenty years too old for that role. At least, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. No, it's but she's like, she's, just, it's a, she's supposed to be like a like a like a eternally young character. Yeah, but that was you know, just changes the whole. Question two. Yeah, where oh. did Bad Roommate Black Panther come from? I don't remember. I that looked this one. up. Yeah, um, let me let me try. Black Panther was married oh, to Storm no. But what was the time, episode right? that was in Paul? I don't know. Episode eighty-one of the Pick of the Week podcast. Oh, it was just to know what number. <laughs> I looked it up. Josh, I thought we were just talking about the Episode eighty-one. That's uh, that's many episodes ago. One. That was, was the... because the joke was that he was on the Fantastic Four. No, Paul had it right. He oh, and this is also if you it, you can't get episode eighty one actually because we don't have the, the old episodes aren't aren't up on our feed. But it's on the best of show that Paul and Ryan put together for us uh, in mm-hmm. two thousand and ten. So you can find that on the website. But uh, it, the story was Storm and Black Panther were at the time married, so Storm Black Panther was living in the X Men's house right with them, and he wasn't doing anything. So we went on a whole extended jag about what he'd be like as a roommate and it went it went off the rails for a while mm. um so that's where that came from episode 81 or you can find that 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 segment on the best up show yeah there yeah. you go that was that long ago people did cartoons for us i was trying to wonder if the cartoons came first 81 uh 38 brendan from chicago new york chicago Is that new a place? I don't. Think that could be Chicago, Illinois. That could be a typo. Okay. Since the new 52 started, trades and hardcovers for DC have been streamlined, and the credits on the cover include the writer and primary artist. I was curious what your thoughts on this on this, given that when you open the book, you get a credits page that includes all the artists that actually worked in the book. The recent Team 7 book has a total of 13 artists over issues contained in the trade, but only one is listed on the cover. False advertising, masking of an issue with the base? Yeah, I think Chicago, New York... Um... Was in Commandy. <laughs> I think it's a typo. That's the Chicago, New York way. The, the, tecton- the tectonic plate can't, shifted. We can't decide on our pizza. That's the Chicago, New York way. Um, it. it I, I'm of two minds to this. I mean, on the one hand, every artist sh- should be credited, but on the other hand, you could have 17 names on that cur- on that trade. The way the DC books went, especially in the beginning. So I don't know. You know. Should 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 a Batman trade just say Capullo because that's who you're coming for? If one if if there was a couple of fill-in issues and they're, you know, I don't know. The larger say Capullo and friends. It's the question that is going on where where everybody who's involved wants to be credited. So right. like, do we do we credit the inker and the colorist and the letter and the whatever? And and I understand. Everybody's contribution, and I absolutely believe that in a perfect world, everybody should get that kind of credit. I think the colorist is just as important as the artist is something. However, the point of credits on a cover is not to give people credit. To the sell. point of credits on a cover is to sell the book. It's a marketing issue. It's not a credit issue. That's what the credits are for. Same thing on a movie poster. You can't put everybody on the movie poster. And it seems unfair, but that's kind of not what it's for. And I know even... 
Like I have a thing when we do when we do the pick of the week, and I have to go put it in Twitter. I want to credit everybody with it because I think that's fair. Yeah. But don't fit. Right. So who do you, like, you I, have to drop the letter and the, the colors? Because I yeah, and 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 I feel bad about it. I feel guilty about it. But at the like you know, and we got 140 characters. Like like this like if every time you were talking about a book and you were like the really great work from and you named 19 people every single time and with the with the Jim Lee book that's actually possible. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I think it's a tough. I think I think it's a tough question, but I also think it's one that's super insular and it doesn't matter to most of your everyday readers. Paul, can you read the next one, 39? Yes. <laughs> Rob, from Parts Unknown. Um, I'm aiming this mainly at Josh, as this is kind of a continuation of making comics. <laughs> I have a young son who is nearly one, and... Oh, okay, all right. I have a young son who is nearly one, and I have a horrible shift work job, but I want to write. How do you find time having your own family and working full-time to do those creative projects? And more broadly, how do all of you manage to squeeze it all in? For me, it's a struggle to spend the little free time I have uh, with my family, and so writing tends to get sacrificed. I found using the recorder on my phone to dictate passages, uh, which I will one day transcribe and edit, keeps me motivated and, act and active, but I just wanted to know any things you do to juggle artistic endeavors with real life. Well, I'm not the great example that you talk about because I definitely I'm lame. I'm completely lame. Uh, in terms of I find, you know, between a day job we have to do this show, so like at least one of every one out of every three weekends, basically all of my free time after my kids go to bed is shot putting the show together. Um, my kids don't nap anymore, so that's not a thing, and I'm working the rest of the time. So I don't write nearly enough anymore. When I do, I do it in little jags. I, I write when I'm on airplanes. That's a thing I do. Um, so I've got like a couple of projects that have been going on for a really long time because I can't find the time not to just finish them with writing, but to actually have the time to think. Like there's that dead time there where you need to let your mind wander. I never have that anymore, and I've found it to be really challenging. I'm sorry, I don't have an answer for you. I assume that there are people who are more driven than I am, who are more compelled. Um, there are different kinds of writers, things like that. Um, I don't know what to tell you. It's it's hard. You have to. As all I can tell you, you have to force yourself to do it. But I think that if you have to force yourself, uh, maybe it's not coming as naturally as as should. Some people can't help it. Some people are compelled to do it. Um, it's like it's, if it's important enough for you, you make time. And for me, like I haven't made enough time that I feel really good about it. There's stuff that I'm working on, you know, that that's that's there. I've done some short stories. I've got a really big project that I'm working on in the background um, that is super important to me and is going to be really impressive. But I'm not going to announce it or talk about it until it's it's a real thing. Um, and I've got like these two. I've got like these two comics that I've been working on forever, and they're mostly drawn and finished with these with two artists who are really good friends of mine now, uh, Cam Malloy and Doug Hills. You know, and, and like one of them's got four issues done, and one of them's got three issues done, and they both have one to go, uh, and I have to finish them, uh, and then I have to figure out what to do with that afterwards. Uh, but they've been going on forever, and it's kind of lame. But you, you got to force yourself, unfortunately. And and it, maybe when you have the one year old, you know, give yourself a break because it's really hard. It's tough, I, and I wonder if there's a reason why a lot of creative people who are successful are successful younger and or without a family. I, I mean, it helps. These things, they're, they're, you, have, you have responsibilities. You, have, you can't not do them. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's hard. Um, uh, I'm pretty bad at self-motivating for, for my own creative projects. Um, 
part of it is also um, I want to work on some comic type stuff, and during the day I'm writing about comics for work. So it's you kind of like at the end of the day you want to think about something different. So it's a little tricky in that respect. I'm currently working on something uh, with my buddy David Acampo, um, who's my co-host on Fuzzy Typewriter. I think in the chat somebody was asking if Fuzzy Typewriter was going anywhere. Uh, it's not. We, we're pretty sporadic with it. It's not like a thing that comes out every week or every other week. Um, it's just when we want to talk about TV or movies or anything, that's sort of the space that we use. Um, and so we, we try to update it when we can. Um, other, other than that, we are working on something, and I think it's very helpful to have a collaborator. So you have someone that is keeping you honest, and you can hop on Skype every once in a while and have a conversation uh, and break a story. And it helps to have someone else who's counting on you to work on something. See, I, I can't. I don't. I don't know how to write stories with people. I've decided mm-hmm. that it's really hard for me. So, I, if I can get a. a, a you know, like a like a an artist partner, it's good because like you can talk with them and they'll be waiting for you. There was a I had actually had you know it wasn't like I had, it's not like I haven't been doing anything. It's just nothing I can. Something got done or came together. There's all these things that didn't happen. I had a really great pitch for a series that I was going around with a couple of months ago. Uh, and no one wanted it. It wasn't because it was bad. It was more like a marketing thing. Like you know how to sell this. Uh, don't do a superhero story now, by the way. I didn't even want to. I just had one. Um, yeah, it's 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 tough. Uh, especially, especially in comics. I want to write another book. I've got a whole idea. I just have no idea when I would do that. That's why it's good to have uh, like, like things like NaNoWriMo are awesome because you have a, an imposed deadline. You just have to do it. Like I had a short story that was drawn uh, by Doug Hills that appeared in this anthology and, anthology, and I had a deadline, and that was awesome. I was like, oh, okay, I got to draw. I got to do a story for you in this time. That's great. Um, all right, so we've been going long on these questions. Let's 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 find some quick ones. Um, let's see here. Okay, here's one. Matt from Louisville, Kentucky asks, "I'm a big Transformers fan, and I've been reading more than meets the eye since issue one. I gather you guys are not the biggest Transformers fans. Why I don't what which I don't hold against you? Alex, Meline, and James Roberts have made a hilarious, well-written, beautiful book. Have you guys tried it? Any thoughts? Nope." You used to read them, didn't you? Back when uh, Mike Costa was writing them. Uh, I think I read one or two. I don't like the Transformers. I don't get it. That wasn't a th- no. You don't get it. I, I mean, I get it. Like it was a thing that I liked when I was a kid, but I I, have, I don't need to know anything about their further adventures. I think I tried. I tried a couple of things, and I think I ended it. And I was like, I, they're, they're big robots. I don't care. Like I was totally like 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 cranky dad. I was like, oh, they're stupid. Paul I like incredible change bots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about Jeffrey Brown's career, by the way? It's because, right. Yeah. Alistair from Scotland, what is the best thing you've read from a creator you don't usually like? Ooh. I would reverse it. The one that I always think about this is Paul Jenkins is inhuman. Well, that's, the only that's thing think he's ever done that I've liked. Everything after that I've tried to like and don't. Well that's 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 an answer. It's a good answer. Uh, also Hawkeye. Um, what was the book that Gail Simone wrote that was like waiting, waiting for tranquility or welcome, welcome to tranquility? I like that a lot. I don't usually like her stuff. I like this next question too. I don't know if I have an answer. What's your least favorite thing by your favorite creator? I've got one. Yeah. Um, I love Jason Aaron's stuff. I couldn't get into his Hulk stuff, Hulk Run. Oh right, I, I tried really hard. I, I think I've loved everything else he's written except for Original Sin, but uh, Hulk I couldn't get into. 
there's a good number of Garth Ennis stories that I don't like. Well, he has a whole side of him that you don't, you don't, you don't right? We don't respond to, which is which is really interesting because I I still think that he's he's my favorite comic book writer, and right. that's even without half of his his catalog. Which is interesting. Paul, I'm blanking. What's my, who's my favorite comic creator? Josh. Josh. I haven't done that much, but thank you. That's so nice of you. <laughs> you got nothing? We're going to move on if you got nothing. Move on. All right. Uh, Eric writes and says, why aren't there more ads in digital comics? Even if it did not result in a lower price for consumers, there wouldn't it be a simple model for publishers to generate additional revenue through ads. I get that promos and other ads might become dated, but I would think there is a way to embed a code that updates the ads each time to read the book is read or downloaded. Josh? I don't know. I'm really glad there aren't, though. You used to I work in digital comics? Huh? You used to work in digital comics? I don't know. It was never a thing that came up. But I didn't, we didn't work in digital comics for that long because by the time we were doing it, we were getting away. Well, then we were actually like at our fingers and we were getting away from it. And so it was just whatever they published. It's a good question, though, because the cool thing about ads in comics is that they, they – when we were kids, like they, they nail you in a place. So when you go back and look at those issues, I bet it's to keep them more – uh, evergreen, because in the digital form they always exist. They don't necessarily have to have a, a date on them. Mm-hmm. And and also, I think they also like they make the ad sales deals probably for the issues. And they they you know like up until very recently, the digital were not they were just gravy. They were not significant. So mm-hmm. maybe that just wasn't part of it. I, I would be it's going to happen at some point. It has to. But I don't know how much the ads actually count towards the bottom line anyway. I don't think as much. No. Okay. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn did a Wolverine story. I wasn't wild about that. Oh, you didn't like that one? The uh, three-issue one? I just don't the, really remember. The Nagasaki one? It probably wasn't bad. I just, I'm trying to think. I don't know. It was drawn by um, Eduardo Riso. All right. Uh, Matthew from North Carolina. I should revisit that. Matthew from North Carolina. If you could go back in time and do something different with the website, what would you do? What? Wait, what number is this? It doesn't matter. 56. <sighs> Um, you know what? I I feel like we did almost all the things. I like. I just wish we had. I always wish we had more time. I wish it would have worked. Yeah. <laughs> Ready? Wait. I got one. Sell ads. There's a lot of things that didn't work that we wish would have worked the way they were supposed to work. Yeah. Uh. All right. Let's jump way ahead to um 78. Stu from Pomona, California. Really enjoyed Ron Richards' episode of Talk. Talking comics that was publicized on the flagship podcast. I love the behind-the-scenes talk of the podcast we all love, but the graphically era was curiously absent. Any talk, stories, info from the time the podcast and website had a parent company. Seems the sale and, light, and latter relinquishing of the brand and media products would be re- very relevant. I would like the oral history of that fanboy fleshed out with some talk of this era. This is a great time for us. What number are we on that I can look at that? 78. 78. Okay. The Graphically era was a pretty great era. The first bit of it? Yeah. We we yes. we had a salary, we had health care, and we we got, got we paid all of our staffers. Everyone got paid who was writing for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a budget. We had a mandate. We were super excited. We had something to prove. That first um, year, I think, was our best year, actually. It was. We, uh, we were our best told, year of a fanboy of all time. You know, like... There wasn't really much oversight 
We could do what we want, but we were all. They didn't. There was no oversight. They didn't care what right. we published. They, we were all to- internally driven to do really well, so we did. Like we we totally increased all of our page views and did all that stuff. We we went around. You know, we did a ton of shows. We it was great. It was like we had purpose and we were moving forward, uh, and it was really fun. And yeah, like I mean, we, it was it was like the feeling of we're doing this. And the fact of the matter is, and people. Uh, Often thought there were nefarious things. I mean, I think I would have probably gone away without the, the graphic. I was people. already gone. Josh had left. Josh got in a job. He had bailed out. And well, I was, my, my I was wife, bailing yeah. soon. And Josh. My wife was pregnant and I needed a job. Yeah. We, we had been working for iFanboy for two years and literally the conversation was Honey, what's the least amount of money we can live on? And that's what we did for two years. But when my wife was pregnant, I, I was like, I can't, I can't afford to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, which sucked, you know. Like it was, that was hard. So, we when we came when when I fanboy picked us up, and this was like some some you know tenth hour shit. Uh, like we we were we were totally we were so happy to be able to pay people to write for us, and we brought people in, and we, Connor and I had spreadsheets. We were on that shit. Yeah, we. I mean, it was a it was a good time. It, it yeah, didn't last. Let us nothing does, but, um, they were totally the saviors of I fanboy. We would not be here right now if not for that deal. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. We 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 were already pl- plotting an exit strategy when that when the, when they showed up, so you know but like I I like I, everyone who's listening now or like or like the website or like the pull list they should you should all thank them. Yeah, uh, you know, and and I don't think of that as a necessarily different era. Like it's funny because it's I don't know it didn't it, it was like a it was a funding thing and then eventually it was a job that that we had to do we had to do that job instead of this one because graphically got away from comics. But that wasn't their fault. They they lost a lot of money on us. Yeah, I mean, when Graphically changed from away from comics, and we we had to start doing stuff for Graphically, then Fanboy suffered, and that's why this the site ended. But, uh, yeah, the, that first year and a half year was was really great, really great. So that's uh, that, not a lot. There's not a lot. Not a lot there. Uh, I want to jump back to seventy four. Um, Fabricio from Ecuador. As a question for each of us. <laughs> Paul, uh, Pacific Rim 2, casting, any wishes? I vote for Chris Pratt. Uh, Chris Pratt in all things. Uh, Chris very Pratt's good. the new... I'm he's, sure we're going yeah, to see Chameleon. Chris Pratt's the new Idris Elba, the new... Yeah, all those things. Um, I actually do have a thought about this. I was hoping that it would be set like in the distant future, so a whole new cast, and I was thinking Aaron Paul and Takeshi Kitano. So that's my Pacific Rim 2 casting. Uh, Connor, favorite yeah. Dick Grayson Nightwing story? Uh, well, my favorite run was the Chuck Dixon run, but and within that, it was probably when uh, Night, uh, Nightwing and Oracle fell back in love. That was my favorite arc of that, of that story. And Josh, favorite Simpsons episode? <sighs> my instinct is to say the Cape Fear episode. Uh, which had some of the most perfect jokes ever. Yes, like it was a it was a Conan episode, uh, where it had it had it had slapsticky jokes and also sort of like great great uh, great jokes. I I I know they're like the the marathons on right now, and I I'm interested, but I stopped after like eight or nine. And yeah, I haven't there. watched in years. Uh, there's another one I'm thinking of, but I can't. I think Homer goes to college was another really good one. Uh, which is also a Conan episode. I think that those anything by Conan or John Vitti. Uh, in that area were some of my favorites. That era was great. Was that era was five? amazing. So seasons three to seven, eight were all sort of what I would consider the, the golden age. But I, I don't know. I, haven't, I I didn't watch it. They changed. They changed Homer. 
Homer yeah. Homer changed, and after that, I didn't get into it as much. And they started doing a lot more. Um, like like the times that I liked when we did they did homage to classic film all the time. Like yeah. there was the Treasure Serial Madre episode, whereas then it became like like. Mel Gibson's on this. Like it became celebrity cameo stuff, and it was mm-hmm. still good writing. It's smart, but it didn't do it for me anymore. It's still funny. The Michael Jackson episode was really funny. Yes, but but you know that was still social commentary stuff. Yeah. But like over time, like like at the time, like through my teens through my twenties, I would have said The Simpsons was a better show than Seinfeld because those were the two big shows at the time. But now, as, as an older person, I like I would I would I would gravitate towards Seinfeld. Well, the big the big head to head was The Simpsons versus The Cosby Show. Yeah, and I think that. Yeah, the Cosby Show was still pretty, pretty great. I don't think about it like that. I, don't, I never think about the Cosby's because I'm thinking about things that are funny, and like great comedy. And I don't tend to think of the Cosby Show as that. He's funny just by being Bill Cosby, but like it was more important. That show was more important for like what it did socially. I think. So it makes all right, sense. let's uh, do 87. I could talk about shit like this all day. <laughs> Kimu from Helsinki, Finland writes, "What would you say percentage-wise is the ratio of foreign listeners you have?" And if we had gotten through all these questions, we would have seen a lot of foreign listeners. And I actually looked it up because you can see we've got the analytics for the co- for the show. And our audience is 77% from the United States and 23% from, from outside the United States. I th- I'm super proud of that, by the way. And of that 23%, the two top are the UK at 7.5% and Canada at 5.8%. So that's still quite a bit. Still quite a bit. I mean, it's still a very U.S.-centric show. I think the comic industry is still very U.S.-centric. But, uh, and we speak English. Yeah, I mean, the top countries are all like Australia. Yeah. But uh, 23% foreign. And there's a ton of... I mean, if you guys... not listening, but everyone else, Paul and Josh can see. If you look through, you've got Australia, you've got Brazil, mm-hmm. you've got uh, Ecuador. I mean, there's there's all kinds of places, and we love that. Here's the cool thing. Uh, Timu is from Finland, and, and I, I learned at one point that you can pretty much call anywhere in Scandinavia, and they're going to speak perfect English. Yeah. Which always impresses me, because I can only speak the one language. <laughs> well, like, I guess they were a little bit of shitty French, but still. As we have, says we've heard. <laughs> yeah. Paul, he also doesn't know, where is Books Below Akira Part 3? Um, coming right soon. Near, uh, it's right near the uh, Starman Omnibus Volume 3. <laughs> it's right next to that. I'm going to work on that. Paul learned the lesson of why we never wanted to have a show dependent on guests. Um, right, we'll it's, it's, not, it's not entirely Scotty's fault. I've been busy, too. So We'll finish up west, uh, west from Newport, Minnesota, with a tr- traditional question to bring back a traditional summer BBQ question. What are your top five books being published right now? Also asked by Nico. I hate this question. Come on, Paul. Right now, top five. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to... Uh, Saga, Saga, Ms. Marvel, um, Thor's in a transitional period right now. So there's still know. one yeah, more it's issue. It's hard though. to say Thor. Well, it's being published right now. Yeah, there's still one more issue. You could, you can, you can, you can fudge it. I'm gonna write down mine. Okay. You do that. Batman. Southern Bastards. Saga. There's still one issue of Hawkeye left, so Hawkeye. Really? Um, That's interesting. It's still, when it comes out and you see the David Aja art and just the way that they they all click on that character, it's annoying how good it is. (laughs) Um... And I'm going to say 
Lazarus. I really love Lazarus. And and this is non-binding. Um, shit. Daredevil still. Right. <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's been so long. I feel like I'm missing one, so I have four written down, but I'm going to look at what's coming out from this one place real quick. Paul, like, had, how many did you get? I'm, I'm working on my fifth. Yeah, that's where I am. Uh, I'll give you my four, and then maybe we can all come to the fifth together. But mm-hmm. Saga, Lazarus, Uncanny Avengers, mm. Black Science, with mm. two Reminder books. And I'm looking... Interesting. I love Black Science. That guy needs no, to... No, I, I don't. I find Uncanny Avengers more interesting. I thought it was... I thought it's been it was stronger earlier. I want to put uh, I want to put Flash Gordon in there. I really like that book. That's a good book. It was stronger, but overall, as a, as an arc, uh, I think it's been really good. And I think the I think the art puts it over the top. It's been such like the art has been it's it's been like the best art at, from a book out of uh, out of Marvel. I think through this whole thing, and, and it doesn't get talked about. Um, I've been super into Daniel Acuna on that. Uh, yeah, no, he's great. Uh, the fifth one. Velvet. Velvet? No. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of velvet. Well, we got four. You got four out of Ooh, five. Oh, Afterlife with Archie. I put that in there too. Ooh, that's a good one. A there's a lot of. Fun. The thing is, there's a lot of good books right now. We're we're we are uh, spoiled. All right, so I can yeah. I can do mine. So it's Saga, Afterlife with Archie, uh, Ms. Marvel, Daredevil, and Flash Gordon. There's my five. There you mm-hmm. go. I could say Daredevil, but I don't quite feel like it. I could bump Afterlife with Archie into Daredevil's slot. But I think Daredevil's still a really great book. Yeah. It's the longest ever Daredevil run for a creator for Mark Wade. It's crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Just mentioned that on Twitter the other day. He's been doing it a long time. All right, so those are the emails. We uh, ended up skipping about half because we ended up going much longer on each question than we normally do, so we apologize if you wrote in and did not get your question on the show, but we still appreciate your writing, especially everyone from a foreign land, of which there were many. And uh, So thank you, everyone, for doing that. Thanks for, for listening, and thanks to everybody in the chat room who's still hung, hanging around as we take over into midnight on the East Coast right now recording. So thanks, everyone, for staying with us. Head over to ifanboy.com. You can comment on this show. Talk about uh, this week's book or the books we didn't get to talk about. I'm sure people want to talk about multiversity and or talk about what we talked about in the email section. You can find all of our other podcasts there, including the Guardians of the Galaxy show, the uh, Batman Assault on Arkham show, and uh, one day there'll be other podcasts there. Maybe the Sin City 2 show. We don't know yet. Possibly next week. And uh, find all that at ifanboy.com. I was looking over questions that we did not do, but I realized that I'm not next. So you can follow iFanboy at twitter.com slash iFanboy and facebook.com slash iFanboy, and you can follow us individually at J.A. Flanagan, at C.S. Kilpatrick, and at Fuzzy Typewriter. And finally, if you dig us, you can write a review on iTunes, okay? But better yet, you can tell your friends about you know, how good we are, and it's, it's, we all have something special about us, okay? So introduce your mom, you know, say hi, say hello to her. <laughs> I haven't done it for a while. <laughs> And then, you know, just, just help, You're help close. everybody everybody know about the iFanboy love. You, you can spread it all over. My favorite is still Michael Lark. Michael Lark? Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's all for this week's show. <laughs> We're going to be back to normal next week. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> I guess I stepped on your end in there, huh? No, it's fine. I just, it's just that that might be the most, most, uh, is it the most weird thing we've ever done? Yeah. 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 The ladies' man is Michael Lark. That is a thing. (laughs) I don't even know how that started. I, I don't, I think I was just doing the ladies' man a lot back then. Because Tim Meadows is awesome. That's why you're doing it. Tim Meadows is amazing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Tim Meadows is, yeah. All right, so we'll be back next week. The show will be back to normal. We'll be talking about the books of the week. Uh, but if you listen to all this, thank you for listening. We appreciate uh, everyone who's listened to the show for 450 episodes. Even if this is your first, we appreciate you. If you've, if you've heard all 450, we also appreciate you, and thank you for everything. I'm not going to do it. Thank you. Bury another Batman. You're not going to do it? I'm not going to bury one more Batman. <laughs> how, many, how many Batman have you buried? 14. I buried 14 Batman. <laughs> They're always sticking out of the ground. So, until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I'm Josh. What about Quint? Can I even do him anymore? Jesus, I think it's been years. Hello, my name. No podcast I'm doing. Nails on the chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too good, is it, Chief? There are others I used to do, but I don't remember it. Are there? I don't know. There were some. There's others. I did like the. I did like the. The. You know the. I, I'm shot. I can't, I can't <laughs> have words anymore. Nine <laughs> years. Mm-hmm. Nine goddamn years. I'm sweaty. This Phil lights like a. These people aren't very nice. In the chat room. Yeah. It's not like it's not like uh, like the gamer people that everybody talks about. They're very they're supportive. Good people. Good and people. like they say goodbye to each other, they're nice to each other, they've all become friends. I love that. I'm so happy yeah. about that every day. I miss I mean that's the part of the fanboy experience that I miss was the community well, and all that stuff. You know what we were talking the other day about that guy who stopped following us? Yeah. It was very crushing because he was one of the first pros who showed us he wasn't I don't even know if he was a pro at that point. Yeah, he was. He was, but just barely. Yeah. Uh, and, and like every once in a while, I'll hear about somebody who Bane. <laughs> Do Bane. Every once in a while, I haven't seen that movie since I saw it in the theater, so I kind of don't remember well, it. There was a question about that, and I wanted to get to it, but I'm I'm annoyed we didn't get a chance to. I want to do it now? I gotta go to bed, but we yeah, can, we can. Um, every once in a while, I'll see it. that somebody stopped listening that like had listened like for a long time, and I'm like kind of get sad. And I'm like, well, fuck, what am I watching after? Now? I stopped watching The Simpsons right after less than nine years, so. We're not the Simpsons, so that's kind of amazing uh, that anybody yeah. would be around for that. I agree one. with you. We were so close to getting to it too. Where was it? It was like right before we started skipping ahead, or right after. Um, here we go. It was Benjamin from Port Angeles, Washington? I've liked number uh, forty. I've liked the Paul watches classic movies segment. I've also noticed that your opinions on certain movies, Dark Knight Rises and Man of Steel, seem to be extremely different. 
and the opinions you originally state in the reviews of those movies. Why not make a regular feature out of re-examining the glut of superhero movies that have come out in the last 15 years and how your opinions on those films have changed over the years? Heck, you can go way back and evaluate even older films, uh, the old Superman, Batman serials in the 40s, etc., etc. I don't think our Dark Knight Rises opinions changed at all. I don't think so. If you go back and listen to that show, you you, you hear three people very much not into that movie. No, I didn't like that. I walked out not liking it. If you mean the text review, I liked it. What do you think of it now? I don't... I haven't revisited it, but I don't dislike it as much as you guys do now. I I did not... Coming out of that movie, I didn't like it, and and once we found out about the shooting, we we didn't have to talk about it anymore because we were talking about that, but I was not happy coming out of that movie theater. And uh, I don't think... I tried to watch it again. And I couldn't because I was like, "This is this is boring." Right. But I haven't watched any of the movies again, really. I watched. I've seen. Um, the, the Batman Begins has been on HBO a lot this this last week, and I've watched it a couple. Of, I've watched Dark. Times. I've watched the Dark Knight again, and that was yeah. really good. Still, Man of Steel. I'll totally admit that, in my opinion, that movie's gotten worse and worse as each moment oh, since in the theater. I was actually pretty okay with it when we watched it, and like over the course of talking with you guys, I was like, "Yeah, hey, you're right." I yeah. think. Um, my uh, my fingernails at the time are still embedded in the armrests uh, from the theater where I saw Man of Steel. Um, As uh, I told Paul, it was Stockholm Syndrome. Mike Romo yeah, and was, I was talking about this with somebody just today. That I, I remember that, that I was writing the review, and I said I was originally going to be on that podcast. And I was like, no, nah, i got to write this up and try to get this up in the afternoon. And then after we were all done, we compared notes, and was like, we see different movies? What's happening? And... <laughs> I'd seen it twice in 24 hours. I it, it took me a while to really process what I had seen. Yes. Uh, but The Dark Knight Rises, I did not like right off the bat. In fact, I have a distinct memory of <laughs> in the theater about 30 minutes in, going, "Oh, oh God, no! This is this is this is not good." Mm. I didn't like it. I just remember not understanding. Like, why is Bane like this? Like, is this like I, I, it? Just never. But it was funny that he said revisit the movies like the old Superman. I revisit the old Superman pretty frequently, and it does nothing but get better. It mm-hmm. does nothing but get more impressive. Otisburg. Oh, I like Pink very much, Lois. What a fucking line! It's a great movie. It's a great the, the one. The, the the one standout thing to me is revisiting um, the Dark Knight. I was surprised how ridiculous Batman looks in it. That's the only thing. In the Dark Knight, the first, second one. In the, in yeah, in the middle movie, like he looks very odd. The costume is just very strange. He can't bend his neck. It's like the '89. No, no. In Dark Knight, he could bend his neck. That was the whole oh. thing. Oh, okay. He got the new suit where he could. In the beginning scene, when he fights Scarecrow, he couldn't. That's what the dogs got to him. And he, when he went to, to Lucius, he said, "I need oh. a suit where I can." He's just super bulky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't remember that at all. Well, it's funny just... in the first one, his voice isn't as ridiculous. So when you watch that, you're like, "Oh, it's it's not so it's not so heightened as it is in the second. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that one in a really long time. Um, first, first one's pretty good. I was watching uh, the Gordon stuff is great in that movie. I haven't seen that in a while, but you're right, the Gordon stuff was great. And, you, you and uh, good Michael Caine. I've seen. I think the first Iron Man holds up really pretty well. Yeah, it does. I think it's pretty charming. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Man of Steel is the only one I really, and Star Star Trek, the second Star Trek. Oh, I wasn't thrilled when I came out of the theater, but my my opinion has only gotten worse as I thought about yeah. it. 
Yep. Those are the only two I think I would change. That, that. was a real, that, and that was like the same month, right? Yeah, it was the same summer for sure. Star Trek was last, last year. Whammy.